I'm one of those people that's so smart that I'm uncomfortable in this world. <laughs> and I'm scared to live. I'm not scared to live, but it's scary out here. God damn. I know how flimsy this shit is. I can see through this. I can see the truth. There's an animal inside each and every one of you. It's not good. <laughs> shit is real. Listen, I was looking at the paper the other day. I'm not making this up. There's a serial rapist in Houston. There's nothing funny about serial rape. But what is noteworthy about this particular rapist is that all of his victims have been men. Enjoy your evening. All right, everyone, welcome back to uh, Gundam at MHQ. This is uh, Neil, one of your hosts, and I'm always uh, joined here with uh, Solbro and Chris. Chris, Solbro, say hello. Yo. Hello. <laughs> and uh, this is episode 62 of Gundam at MHQ, and in this episode, uh, it's going to be uh, back to a two-segment uh, episode for us. Get out of town. Yes, yes. Uh, no, you get out of town. No, wait, I just came back to town. Wait, no, what? You just did. <laughs> so... But uh, in our uh, in our first episode or in our first segment, uh, we'll be going to uh, doing a topic that a lot of people have requested uh, a manga topic, and this time we're going to actually have some good things to say about the Seed Universe. All right, and uh, we're going to be looking at the Astray mangas, the various Astray mangas in both the original Seed and uh, Destiny. So uh, check that out. And then our final uh, segment of today is going to be the return of the old Cue the Flush Anime Toilet. And uh, in this one, just like we teased in the inaugural Anime Toilet segment, uh, this is going to be covering Robotech The Shadow Chronicles. Ready your Charmin. Yes. (laughs) But um, before we begin, Chris, I was wondering, uh, is the Emperor there? Who do you mean? (laughs) <laughs> oh, there you are, Emperor. I, I was wondering if you were uh, staying over at Chris's again this weekend. So uh, I was I hanging know- out while he was gone in New Orleans, eating his food and drinking his beer. <laughs> <laughs> and killing his grass. Oh, no. oh man. <laughs> Emperor, I, I have a quick question for you. Yes, of course. I, I know that I was suggesting in past episodes that you would replace Larry King since he's retiring. Are, are you angry now that some British guy took uh, Soldier Thunder? I, I thought she would have done a lot better than um, some Brit uh, as, as, um, as the new host. As I informed you, I am Larry King. I saw a picture of him. He doesn't have that much, but I guess with the force, you can change the way your face looks. It's called Force Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> All will be going according to my plan, because as you see, I also have another secret identity, which is that of 
Rupert Murdoch. Ooh. Mm. Ooh, say it ain't so, dude. Yes. That's evil unrivaled. I am responsible for all that has happened because of Fox <laughs> News. Oh my god. Yeah, that is the you you, you so, have your evil mastermind cannot be matched. So so are are you saying here, Emperor Palpatine, that Fox News is controlled by the dark side? Yes. Even <laughs> though you knew that already. I'm just confirming it for you. Man, oh man. <laughs> oh my gosh. When Dick Cheney says he laughs about being compared to Darth Vader, he's not joking. <laughs> oh, is he on the He is Darth Vader. Woo! Is he on the Fox News staff now? He will be. I'll tell you what, man, News Corp has got more shady investors than any other company on the planet. So, um <laughs> So I guess what you're you're also saying is uh, the the replacement of Darth Maul and Count Dooku is uh, Bill O'Reilly and uh, what's the other people they have on there? I don't even know. I don't watch Fox News. Maybe. Exactly. <laughs> but um, oh okay, Emperor. Well, uh, nice hearing from you. Glenn and- Beck is my new protege. <laughs> <laughs> he knows well the forces of darkness and evil and stupidity. <laughs> He'll be starring in the Force Unleashed three. Look out for that. And fan fiction, <laughs> or actually, yeah, fan fiction with history. <laughs> what would you like to know? Oh, I'm good. I, 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 I think, I think, leveling the fact that uh, you're con- you, that you're uh, Rupert Murdoch and uh, Fox News is being controlled by the dark side is is enough for this episode here. It explains a lot. I'm also Newt Gingrich on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> And John McCain on Mondays. <laughs> I'd almost ask what day you're John Boehner. So you're, you're almost like you're almost like a cafeteria special. You're you're something different every day, <laughs> or someone different every day. It's it's very hard to manipulate everyone all the time, so they don't even know why they're being manipulated. And even I don't know why I'm manipulating them. So basically, that's why we never see all these people in the same room. Yes. <laughs> because it's all you, and you can only do it for one day. You want to know something very frightening? What's that? What's up? I'm also Sarah Palin. Woo! Man. I, I could... I could. That doesn't surprise me. Oh, That just disgusts me. <laughs> Does that kill your boner? <laughs> she already shot it off many years ago. Never... <laughs> Never really had one for her. <laughs> Where did you come up with that voice? <laughs> it takes a lot of work also. It takes a lot to it takes a lot of the dark side to get a voice that annoying, right? <laughs> More than you can imagine. Sweet. Well, Emperor, I, I've I, I think I, we've learned too much here today because I'm really afraid if I learn anything else, there there might be somebody knocking down my door right Dude, you now. Should so. over, you should take over Larry King. You just found out a boatload. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Great Not- interview. Unfortunately, you have to die now or serve me. I think I had more poignant questions than Larry King ever asked. Damn, you just need to put on your suspenders and get bad posture. You'll be good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Next caller. I think there's a call from Bill from Sheboygan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sheboygan. But, uh, th- well, thank you, Emperor. Anytime. We'll see you next episode, I'm sure. Unfortunately, you will. And you'll <laughs> see me in your dreams. <laughs> and in the shower. Oh, man. Ooh. Oh, geez. This is going to be creepy when you start doing this during October because of Halloween and stuff, so. <laughs> I am that steamy mist that makes certain parts of your body hard to dry. 
<laughs> Ooh. I thought that was the humidity of Florida. Oh, yuck. That's also me. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're telling me you're not only the fo- you're not only Fox News and Rupert Murdoch, you're now the the uh, the thing of humidity that surrounds the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. God, you're everywhere, Emperor. Oh, Jeez. Well, it creates so much misery, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> and misery leads to evil. <laughs> It's all part of my secret plan. Your diabolical plan of world subjug- uh, world subjugation and uh, eventually being defeated by uh, space teddy bears. Damn those teddy bears. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I take it you never had a teddy rock spin when you were younger then. I never thought of it. Actually... That is one. We won't go into it to this right now, Emperor, but the next time we speak with you, I'd like to hear about the little Palpatine (laughs) when you were a child. Because I I bet you were just, um, I I bet those were interesting years for you. But um, we will see you next episode. All right. um, Well, everybody, uh, just like normal, before we begin, uh, I'm going to be doing uh, Dennis's favorite uh, segment of Gundam is uh, the, the news. Neo's news. Yes, my news. And um, You don't know anything about the news. <laughs> oh, God. Did I wake you up? I th- You're just a shitty tabloid writer. <laughs> I think I ta- I think I spoke too loud. Did I wake you up? I thought I, I, Chris said you were passed out. I'm trying to sleep here, God damn it. Yeah, he said you were passed out in the corner in your own urine with a bag of um, half-eaten Doritos on your hand. And a, and a Chick-fil-A sandwich in the other one. The Dorito stains aren't only on my hand. On <laughs> um, that poor girl in Macross, too. <laughs> it's part of culture, man. I know. You have to be open-minded. You don't know the meaning of the word. I'm out of here. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. Man. Chris has got. He's he always has lots of lots of visitors at his house there. But uh, like always, I, I I just want to thank all those that submitted uh, articles in the Neo's listener submitted news article thread in the Mecha Talk uh, forum. And the first one we have here is from poster Mula Flaga, and uh, this is actually a pretty interesting one and uh, and nice that they did this in the end too. Um, there were some parts for the life size Gundam that were made. Uh, that and this is coming from the Anime News Network, mm-hmm. and there were some three spare parts and three decals from the uh, one one uh, life size Gundam, and uh, the all those those uh, six parts there or six items fetched about uh, four million yen, which is about forty six thousand uh, dollars. Oh wow! For some charities, uh, it says here to buy vaccines for world's children. So that that's kind of oh, cool. Well, that's pretty cool. And uh, the items. Include uh, some fiberglass plastic, uh, fiberglass reinforced plastic parts with urethane resin coating for the 15 meter tall statue that sto- uh, stood at the uh, Obadiah Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, part A is part of the operating part of the hip joint. Part oh. B is the tip of the feet. Part C is an external detail used throughout the body surface. Uh, and the clear acrylic film decals were made of thermal wax printer and would have been used on the lower uh, arms and lower legs. So um, Wait, wait! you're telling me that the, they didn't make the part? The mm. most important part, man? What's that? That piece of junk Armour's dad made? Oh. Damn! Damn, I thought that was going to be on the menu, man. That sucks. <laughs> no, that, that, thing's, that, that thing increases the combat efficiency, oh. so you definitely need that in there. Damn, I'd buy it. that in a heartbeat, man. But no, that's that's kind of cool, and it, it, it's nice to see that the... Um, hey, Almer, will use this? It'll increase the power tenfold of the Gundam. <laughs> Bonk. It's a piece of junk. Dad, some I'm on Earth. 
That's nice, son. <laughs> Don't you care about mom anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Go Federation! The Federation's gonna win! Ah, oh, boink. Damn, son. But, uh... <laughs> But um, no, it's it's actually kind of cool that they're able to use uh, some of the parts and some of the stuff for the uh, one one Gundam for uh, some charity stuff. So uh, and you know for kids, it's it, they want these kids to live so they can buy uh, Gundam Gunpla. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure all these vaccines Woo! will come with a free uh, ten dollar off coupon. That is the objective <laughs> on, on Hobby League Japan. <laughs> Your life was saved by. <laughs> Your life was saved by Bendai. Please buy this. But uh, thank you, Mr. Mula Flaga, for your submission. Second one we have here is from uh, Jabman025. Mm-hmm. Uh, isn't he the uh, the defender of destiny? He, the self-proclaimed <laughs> defender of destiny. Oh, yeah, Jeff. man. <laughs> Y'all sticking him with that? Well, no, he's stuck it with himself. Hey, he's the one who always mentions it. <laughs> yeah. Hey. yeah. Even when we're not saying anything about destiny, he, he comes out to let us know that just in case we might, oh. he'll be there to defend it. And you know what? You know, one of these days, man, one of these days, Jeff, I... I, I I feel for you. I, I, <laughs> that's a hard road, dude. Yeah, I think he should uh, start PMing uh, uh, Peter. Oh, nice. See how that how well that goes. <laughs> the 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 men of lost causes. <laughs> Ooh, Solbro with the zinger. Hey, I, but, I, uh, I know where to, I know where to be. <laughs> I know the I know the feeling. He knows all too well about lost causes. Uh, I do. St- I sure do, man. <laughs> I am an expert. <laughs> Oh, man. But uh, Mr. Jabman's submission here is from the Anime News Network. And for all those folks that are fortunate enough to go to the New York Anime Festival uh, on October 10th at 2 p.m., you will get to see the new 00 film complete with English subtitles. So that is pretty damn cool. Let me just say now, whoever goes to see this to go to this um, festival and they get to see this movie I hate you get your camera ready <laughs> I hate you and I always will damn but um hey, take a camera with you I'm just kidding <laughs> well no you want to take pictures of what's going on at the that's festival, right that's so. right take pictures and, and you know it's it's not your fault that some of the new digital cameras actually film um, they have a film component on them so and, and if you just accidentally hit the film button record button for like two hours then hey, well, hey what can you hey. It's not no, nobody's fault there. Hey, uh, what can you do about it, eh? <laughs> That's my subtle hint to Bandai to release the DVD the next day. <laughs> wow, well, uh, they're not gonna get it. Oh, yeah. damn it! It's taken how many months for a Unicorn? <laughs> and and I still don't believe that November twelfth release date. <laughs> Keep hoping. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thank you, Mr. Jabman, Defender of Destiny, for your submission. But uh, next one here is from uh, Vent Noir. And uh, this is actually from the Anime News Network, too. And there's actually going to be something really cool going on. Um, when I was a little kid, I used to play with Legos. I don't know if you guys did. So I always kind of yeah. liked that stuff. But I, I didn't realize that there was a convention for Legos oh, uh, called BrickCon 2010. And uh, I know that there's, you know, Legoland's coming to uh, Orlando. Right. So, but there. What? Yeah, Legoland's coming to Orlando. I'll I think it opens next year, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, BrickCon takes place in Seattle, and it goes on from uh, September 30th to October 3rd, and uh, there's going to be some um, Japanese-inspired uh, submissions there. Oh, awesome. And some of the submissions are going to be representations of Studio Ghibli works, including Ponyo, My Neighbor Totoro, Kiko's Delivery Service, Nausicaa, Spirit Away, 
Laputa, the castle in the sky, mm-hmm. and there's a bust of uh, uh, Hayao Miyazaki himself, and there's <laughs> going to be a Lego form of Mazinger Z, and also Tetsuwa and his freaking the cool ass bike and Akira, and th- and there's going to be some stuff uh, well as Godzilla and some like uh, historical buildings and figures of uh, Japanese. You know some Japanese items there, so that's definitely pretty cool too. So you Is know, going to bef- be a bust of uh, Saji Crossroad. Oh, <laughs> if only! God, <laughs> could you imagine? We can only we could dream. <laughs> you should buy some Legos and submit it for next year, Chris, uh, I Soul Bro. I should, man. Make a King make Arthur. A- How dare you almost say my name? I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you. I thought you wouldn't catch that, man. Sorry about Woo, that. Man. I'm a journalist. I catch everything. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know about culture. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm not ill-informed like you. Oh, oh man, why do you got to go that route? So always, always that, right? It just goes to that <laughs> ill-informed. But um, so that's definitely cool. So if you have the ability, go to um, Seattle at the end of October, and then take the five-hour flight over to New York City. Um, you know, a few days later to catch the double O movie. So, um, that, that'll, that'll be a job for the world's richest otaku. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I would do something like that. I just don't have the time to do it. So, but that's kind of cool. And I'm not that big into Legos that I'd have to go see this. <laughs> I'd rather just see the, uh, see the pictures online so uh but thank you for that submission there and and last here is uh this is some news i think chris is going to love hearing about and this is from taku kata huvi and this is from the srw hot news awesome. one of chris's favorite games is coming out and no it's not oh boy not 0081 oh. that you can find now on uh ebay it's uh dynasty warriors 3 oh man so I know you got this pre-ordered at your local games GameStop, Chris. Yes, as as in, um, hey, you want to pre-order Dynasty Warriors Gunner Three? No, give me Vanquish. <laughs> and if if you couldn't think that Dynasty Warriors Two was, if, if you thought that that was the best they could do, and you thought that it couldn't get any better, well, hold your horses on this one because they have some uh, some new some new series that are going to be included to the existing stuff. Right. Oh, uh, well. It's kind of a sad thing. Uh, one of the worst. Uh, one of the worst is uh, Double O season two. So they're doing the second season of Double O. So that's I'm sure that's really going to downplay the game. Uh, Gundam Unicorn. We'll actually get we'll actually get to see uh, mobile suits that we haven't seen yet by watching Unicorn. So by getting this, <laughs> yeah, it's funny you mentioned Double uh, O season two because uh, our pal Jabman had an interesting comment on Twitter relating to this uh, specific. Uh, game. Okay. And uh, he says to me, um, I got it. You play as a double O Gundam. Sobro plays as the O Riser. You combine and Sobro watches you do all the work. (laughs) (laughs) That would be, that would be pretty funny. But, you know, for that, for that one, uh, for those three seconds there that he's uh, pressing the button and uh, (laughs) taking the double O Riser and, and just letting Haro take control there, he, 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 he he did it right. He did it. He's I did stepping it. up. Oh yeah, man. Haji stepping up. That's he's, my man there. He's snapping in. Man. Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> he's parking. The man. <laughs> the man went from a useless human being to being more useless than a Haro. <laughs> so damn man. But um, don't you dare insult Haros. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, 
Gundam Unicorn and another one of Chris's. Th- this has probably got Chris locked on to buying D- Dynasty Warriors 3. What's up? Guess what, Chris? You can be Koa Rocky. Ooh. Stardust Ooh. Memories Ooh. is going to be in there. Or yet Vanquish. I'm getting this game. Or, what? hey, you could even be Moncha. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Clear your schedule. Yeah. <laughs> or the Xeon are going to do what? Boom. South burning. <laughs> And finally, the last new series is going to be Gundam X. So thank you, Mr. Whatever Your Name Was, for that game submission there. So I'm, well, I'm tired of trying to figure out some of these things. Taku, Takukano, Huna, Love, whatever. All right. But that was the news. And even though I was being real uh, uh, bitchy there about saying somebody's name i do still encourage you guys to submit your top, your articles they'll be climbing all the, over themselves now the neos yeah. listener submitted <laughs> i can see the downpour of news just coming in now yeah <laughs> even though i insulted all every one of you now <laughs> oh my God. i still i still want you to contribute but uh, <laughs> nice going pal nice going thank you for all your contributions but uh before we uh move on to our first segment we're going to go to uh chris with the old uh, mailbag and chris is saying the mailbag is getting quite heavy so i guess we're going to be burning through a couple of um questions this uh this time around so and the postmaster general has arrived take it out chris all right um our first question uh of several comes from kosh who um gives us a couple of things to think about uh her first question is as a woman i feel that a lot of the time female characters in gundam get the short end of the stick if you're a woman piloting a mobile suit slash mobile armor most of the time you're either the baddie totally loco or just a tool to develop the male lead with a star-crossed love and if you're unlucky enough to be lala and four you get to be all of those it sucks the funny bit is that though tamino created most of these types of characters he's the only one in gundam who can consistently create strong assertive female characters diana sorrel kiel and machine are a few examples i mean bloody look at the characters in seed and most of the ones in double o i guess my question is wouldn't it be good if for once a protagonist was a bloody woman women watch gundam we buy the models and toys damn it it'd be great if bandai got their heads out of their collective behinds and realized we do more than buy singles and look at the admittedly pretty boys do you think it's likely we'll ever see a female protagonist in gundam anime anytime soon so uh, I'd like to tackle this one first. Go for and it. I'd like to say um, I, I would agree with um, you know a lot of the times uh, women characters don't fare so well. But uh, look at some of the other mecha shows that are out there that are not Gundam and how women are treated. And um, like, for example, Macross. Yeah. Do you ever see any non-Meltrondi woman ever be a pilot? Nope. 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 Because even uh, in Macross 2, Sylvie Jean is part Meltrandi. Yep, yeah, that's true. You know, I cannot think of any non-Meltrandi Zentra- or non-Zentradi female pilot in Macross I who does not either. have some some of that blood in them. Yeah. And you see women in the military um, in uh, some pretty high levels, but not usually at the very top. You know, aside from uh, that three-second glimpse of Misa as the captain of the Mega Road in flashback... Uh, how often do you see a woman commanding a Macross? Yeah, they're all under um, they're all under a guy. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean they're all bridge bunnies. <laughs> yeah, so you you got that. Um, Votoms for Christ's sakes has hardly any women in it. Yeah, that's true. And and the ones who are who are pilots are super people like 
like uh, Fiona, Fiona. Who's, a, who's a perfect soldier, or in Shining Heresy, uh, Titania, who is sort of like a Major Kusanagi bio-android type thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of franchises out there where women get a pretty short end of the stick compared to Gundam. But in terms of the will we see a woman as the um, main character in a Gundam show, I would say no. I'd say it's pretty similar to the question we had a while back about a uh, like a black character as uh, the star of a show, Laurent notwithstanding. Yeah. And it's the same thing. You know, anime is made for a young audience. Why do you think that 99.9% of the anime out there is about high school kids? Yeah. Because that's the audience they're going after. And when it comes to robots, I know there are plenty of female robot fans out there, but by and large, the biggest consumer in Japan, which is all that Sunrise cares about, is men, specifically young men. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, old otaku men who still like to identify with, you know, the young men they used to be when they were watching these things. So, you know, I'm pretty convinced that uh, in the future we're still going to keep seeing more of the same of young boys. Because even with Double O, where in season one most of the cast was adults, Setsuna was 16. Yeah. Yeah. For that very reason. That you had to have, you know, that uh, yeah. youth appeal of a teenager. So sad to say, but I don't think we're gonna we're gonna see that. You know, in OAVs, anything is possible. Remember in uh, Igloo Two how they had those rotating protagonists, yeah. And the uh, rotating protagonist of the third episode was a woman. You know, getting down and dirty there with her gun tank and being, you know, crazy. Unfortunately, but still, that's that's something. So uh, I would expect we might see better treatment of women as supporting characters, but I sincerely doubt that we're going to see a, a main female Gundam pilot as the star of a show. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree with what you're saying, that with, you know, it's easy to identify Gundam, you know, with the fact of having, you know, crazy female characters. But I, like you did say, I mean, you have these other shows um, where women are not represented in really any way, shape, or form, because at least... The one thing we can at least say within Gundam, as it seems that uh, throughout the different franchises, the role of the woman has gotten a little bit better. Uh, we've seen like in the Seed universes and then like in Double O where you have women as commanders. Um, like you said, outside of like Macross, where you, you know, you, you said you see Misa, but then we'd never see another woman commander mm-hmm. of anything. So at least we have that. But um, I pretty much tend to agree with you on the aspect of. Would, would I like to see it? Yes. Am I going to see it? Probably not. And probably not anytime soon if, if it was ever to happen, especially in a series. Like you said, maybe an OVA or some type of one shot, but I don't see it really happening. So, Soul bro? Um, I mean, it, the outlook doesn't look good, um, given the fact that the audience, the viewing audience is primarily guys and they're trying to sell models to the, to the, to the demographic that they're looking to... Uh, to to appeal to um you, they gotta have a character that they can relate with which is a damn shame because as a grown-ass man i'm looking i always look for differences in shows that i'm watching compared to other shows that i do like because i always want to see them try to break the norm and especially in the gundam franchise where you know you have a lot of strong females in certain shows and you know that you know they could take a risk and try to have a female lead um you know they're not going to because um I mean, let's look at, let's face it, Japan is a very misogynistic society, it's, you know, in a lot of ways. And, you know, when it, when it comes to stuff like, you know, real robot anime, you, you don't see, you don't see a lot of female leads having, you know, 
having much impact except for being supporting characters to help develop the main character and that just sucks um there are some examples though um that are not in animation that are out there like um mobile suit gundam a cold do cl you got a main female lead and the main focus on that character and it takes place in the universal century you know if you haven't haven't been exposed to that manga you should definitely check it out it's 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 wonderfully uh drawn by haruhiko mikimoto who's famous for macross um outside of gundam uh one of the early series that i can think of that a main female lead and a lot of strong females was um super dimension calvary southern cross you had uh genie francais who's the main character it was adapted as part of the robotech series as uh southern cross and dana sterling was that character but um you know it, it it still was misogynistic in some ways with that um with the treatment of that character yeah. but i i think it was a step in the right direction it's not the perfect show but you know there's some cool aspects about that and it's an early example of a female lead having you know you know and and the story following her um i i just i look at it this way um even some of japan even some of the more uh, famous strong female characters that come out of japan sometimes um sometimes they don't get portrayed in the in the best way i i a recent example is um you guys know about the new metroid that came out right where they get into samus aran's backstory team ninja went and they just they completely screwed the mystique of uh samus aran and they made her very subservient to a dude and to me i always had the ins the 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 inside of samus Aran being a lot like ellen ripley from aliens and that game completely destroys that and I just, I just don't think they can write female characters. You're gonna have to have female writers and 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 females having a strong impact in mecha anime um, production for that to happen. Line Barrels of Iron, Chris, you've watched it, right? Or at least some of it. I watched the first episode. Uh, what'd you feel about that? Do you think that the, the women were portrayed well? Didn't really stick out to me, and neither did the manga. Yeah. But um, you know, I would say having more female writers doesn't necessarily uh, equate to better treatment of female characters because uh, look at Seed and Destiny under the hand of uh, Chiaki Morosawa. Exactly, yeah. I was going to say that. And, <laughs> and that has some of the worst female characters in Gundam. That's true, but I've seen it work for American television. It can work for American television, but yeah, the- you know, our society is very different in its treatment of women and its depiction of women. We're not talking about American television. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, Japan. In Japan. Yeah, Japan's, Japan's been behind the curve on that for a while, so it's going to be an extremely long time before we see that, and if we do, it'll probably be in an OVA, which you know, which I think is a better format for, for I mean, most animes anyway. What does it say that in Japanese animation that yeah. uh, Miyazaki is like the most feminist person there is? Yeah. <laughs> there's probably, there's, there's lots of women in the animation industry in Japan, they're probably nowhere near as feminist as Miyazaki is. <laughs> or as grumpy. What does, that, what does that say about Japan? <laughs> it says a lot. lot. It says a lot. But, um, says a lot. I, I feel your pain. Um, and and I, 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 one day, maybe we'll get a, an anime that has a, a strong female lead that, um, that's mecha-related. But I honestly think it'll be a one-shot in the OVA. I don't think it'll be a TV show. show and that's, that's, a, that's a damn shame. All right. Uh, she also says um, she wants to introduce her girlfriend to Gundam. Unlike me, she's not had much experience with anime or mecha shows, but she's an avid watcher of fantasy and sci-fi, but does have an open mind. Oh, right on. Which do you think are the best introductory Gundam shows? I was thinking either the 0079 movies or Turn A, mm-hmm. which I feel is maybe not a good introduction, being so different, but certainly a fantastic standalone show. All the dark history bits are easy to explain as tributes to the other shows. They don't hugely impact on the story. 
Um, I would say, depending on your friend's animation tastes, that uh, would have a strong influence because obviously there's people who are comfortable watching old animation and those who are not. If your friend is comfortable with old animation, by all means, go with uh, the original trilogy. It's the best way to start. That's how I got in. That's how lots of people got in. You can't go wrong with the beginning. Um, if her tastes are more towards the modern things, uh, I would say Double O is a good choice. Yes, sir. I would say X is a good choice. Mm-hmm. Those would give you uh, a good idea of what Gundam is because while Turn A is a great standalone show, uh, it is very different from uh, the rest of Gundam and um, it might give her certain expectations of what she's going to see if she decides she wants to watch more shows. Yeah. So Turn A is something you definitely want to save for later. Yeah. Recommendations? I, no, I agree with you. I, I think that's the biggest key now is the whole... Um, the the animation preference and some people are cool with the older stuff some people aren't so if you're not then you know go with uh, double o i even think the first seed would be okay as something to to delve into too um but yeah i mean if they don't have a preference of course you always want to go with the original oh so. man screw all those g gundam that's what i say i'm just kidding <laughs> no nah, i'm pretty much right there with you um if she if she doesn't mind the quality of animation or um the whatever it comes from the 0079 movies are definitely the place to start um i know a lot of women um enjoyed uh gundam wing but if i had to choose from a more uh, modern version of gundam i'd either say x or double o um those are great shows to get into and x is extremely easy to get into because of the way it begins um double o a lot of storylines going on it's very engaging and you know there's a lot of cool characters in that show so i'd say there but yeah turn a gundam um as much as we love it i I think that should be that's a show that would be far more appreciated by someone who's already seen other gundam series but that's just me okay and uh our last question from kosh says um i felt that much of Gundam is trying to write about the plight of child soldiers, yet doesn't manage it well at all. Ooh. I felt Seed's Kigali was a wasted opportunity. Does Victory or any other Gundam story that you know of deal with the idea of child soldiers well? Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. The whole uh, the child sto- the child soldier thing is throughout all, most of them because, like we stated on your earlier question, a lot of these. Um, you know, a lot of the characters are dealing with like 16 year old kids, um, in terms of doing it. Well, I, I don't know if victory does it well. Um, cause it's just a, it's a very dark and very deep story. Um, the, I, I think, I think probably double O probably does it the best, uh, in recent memory because unfortunately, you know, fortunately you only have one child soldier and you can see where, a lot of the focus on him is how he got corrupted and how it's kind of shaped him into what he is now. So um, I, I think that might be a good a good place to go if you want a, a good representation of a child soldier uh, outside of some of the other series. So, Solbro? Man, um, yeah, it's a, I, when it comes to exposing um, children to the horrors of war, you can't look any further than um, <laughs> Victory Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> but the representation uh, representation of child soldiers um i don't know it's, it's a, that's a that's a loaded question because um every series is a little different on the effects of what the war has on those characters but um one thing that that does stick with me is when i watched uh stargazer and um you get that big reveal um uh, that the i guess uh the the p- people piling in those gins 
in the in the first uh volume of that were children that was that was pretty shocking um especially how well they piloted those suits uh, we really didn't get to know about those kids much but that was that was like one of those things about child sh- soldiers that d- that did stick with me um in in a uh, in the Gundam series but yeah um i guess victory had probably about the most and it really focuses on them so um if there's a show that does show child soldiers and the effects of war on them that's that's something to look at but I don't know. I don't know if they've nailed it yet <laughs> when it comes to um, that being a comprehensive look at that. But that's me. Uh, that's that's all I have to say. I would say the thing about the thing about uh, child soldiers in Gundam, mm-hmm. it's um, it's kind of a deceptive idea because it's just like the theme of Gundam is something that people often um, misencapsulate mm-hmm. to possibly coin a word, and. Um, you know, people talk about how Gundam is is anti-war. Yeah, Gundam never has been anti-war. Gundam's stance, even in shows that battle about pacifism, like like Wing, mm-hmm. or that have neutral countries and all of their nonsense, like Seed and Orb, uh, the main message of Gundam has always been that war is a horrible thing, but it's a necessary evil. Yeah, yeah. and at the very least, you have to fight to protect yourself and the people who are important to you. Yep. Because even the idea of pacifism had to contradictorily be defended with fighting. Yep. yep. So no Gundam series has ever been anti-war. And that's a misunderstanding that people have. Similarly, um, no Gundam series has ever really been about child soldiers in the way the term has a connotation now. Like you would think of, you know, like child soldiers in Africa. Yeah. In, uh, in Gundam, and especially the Tamino shows... I think the use of children is sort of a um, it's a foil for exploring the theme of the ir- irresponsibility of adults. Yeah, that's true. It's really not about the kids. The kids are just used as a way to look into you know the world of adults and how irresponsible they are and how arrogant and self-absorbed and how horrible they are. It's really not that much about the effects on the kids, except for Double O, because you know Double O. Setsuna is an honest to God child soldier in the way we think of these days of, you know, all these kids being forced to fight in these wars, you know, either by being tricked into it or by being kidnapped and drugged and all these sorts of things. And we see the effects that it has on Setsuna. I mean, this guy pretty clearly suffers from PTSD. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he freaks out quite a few times during season one as he's getting used to battle, thinking back to all of the things in his past. Yeah, and you can see how it just makes him so cold and impersonal at the beginning, and then slowly throughout the series, he starts to become more human and kind of recover everything that he lost because of Ali. Oh, even even um even Rock even our man Rock on he um he um he got it started early as well, being part of uh I don't know if um was he a child soldier too too I think like, you're thinking of Alleluia. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, that's right. Sorry. I, just, I, I think one last comment I'll have on that is mm-hmm. I think what you have to realize is with, especially with Tamino, Tamino is a product of the post-World War II generation. And in a lot of ways, I always see that his his Gundams are kind of, it's kind of an autobiography of what he encountered and what he saw when he was, you know, probably living you know, in those post-war times mm-hmm. and some of the things that he heard or seen or whatever. So, I mean, I think that's where, you know, like you were talking about the whole thing about war is, uh, I, I think that's definitely where you get the whole stance of war. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just, I, I, I see a lot of it that in, in, 
you know, the little bit I know about the man himself, it just seems like a lot of it is kind of autobiographical of, of his life and his experiences growing up and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people can take it any way they want, but that's kind of the thing I see. So go ahead, Chris. All right. Our, uh, Next questions, they come from our pal, um, Dalo. He says, uh, in terms of the podcast, are you guys happy with the show the way it is, or do you wish you could do more at this point, like contests, more call-ins, and so on? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a <laughs> Thank you. Moving on. Straightforward answer. But, you know, what are you going to say, Neil? Uh, no, I'm just saying, I mean, yeah, it would be nice um, yeah. to be able to have a, you know, I would love to have a budget to yeah. work with and, and to be able to do stuff like that and... You know, the only way that if, you know, we're able to do that is a, you know, we do have sponsors at this point, Mm -hmm. visit them as frequently and as, you know, as you can. And, uh, you know, B, um, you know, spread the word on the show and, you know, the more people listen to it, I'm sure, you know, we're not, believe me, I'm not sitting here thinking that this is going to be, you know, replace my current career, (laughs) but, you know, it would be cool to be able to have at least, um, you know, to make a few thousand dollars off of this a year. Uh, to do things like that, to maybe upgrade equipment or even um, go to the fact of having uh, contests or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, that that would be very cool to do. At, so. As of right now, the money we make off the show, we, we put back into the show for the most yeah, part. Yeah, it's just break and, even. Yeah, we break if even. That, so. it's, I don't think it's a break even. But. <laughs> No, it allows us to do the show without many costs, which is pretty nice. I mean, thanks. Subsidizes a few things, but that's about it. But yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, what what I think is um, something that would probably attribute more to the show is we have more time to contribute to the show. You know, if if it was if it was something we got paid for, you know, and it was a it was a it was a career, then yeah, it, it'd be bigger than what it was, and we'd have contests and call-ins and have a switchboard and and and, and an engineer and all that stuff. But <laughs> it's just the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> at least for the time being anyway no crew well I, no I, crew. I think that that can be accomplished by the three of us i just think yeah. a lot of that after a while it, it, com- it comes down to capital contributions or sponsorships and and you know, it would be cool you know here's a here's a hint bandai mm-hmm. we give you free publicity every two weeks <laughs> it would be cool if you started uh maybe giving it where we could maybe give something to one of our fans it'd be great to give out the brand new blu-ray of uh, gundam unicorn or some model mm-hmm. you know it doesn't have to be a perfect grade but i'm sure these guys would appreciate like a high grade or something like that so you know but just a thought i i know it's um hey send us it's a tough economy but you know and <laughs> But we do give you lots of free advertising about a lot of your stuff. So send send hint, that email hint, hint. to um, send that email to Gundam MAHQ at gmail dot com. Actually, yes. <laughs> S- send that uh, send that draft proposal. Send that correspondence. Yes. <laughs> but all right, uh, I don't have anything to add to that. Uh, <laughs> the next question from uh, Dalo: What do you think of the Dot Hack series? Uh, oh, briefly, I I loved the original Dot Hack sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed Legend of the Twilight. Uh, Roots was interesting the first half and was utter garbage the second half. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> if you really want to know more, there was a Doc Hat Dot Hack thread on the anime form a while back, and I lay out in a bit more detail my thoughts there. So I'll just uh, leave it to that and point you there. Nice. I uh, I'm looking at Neo's collection and I see uh, the four the first four Dot Hat games right there in front of me. Yeah, I played I played mm-hmm. the first four. I played the first two of the second one. Uh, I'm in agreement with Chris. I, I liked Sign. Uh, Legend of Twilight was just that fun little kind of short series. Um, it was you know just a joy. Um, Roots. I never could get too much into it. It seemed it was okay at the beginning. 
Um, I do agree. I never finished it because it started just to get to a point. I just was like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you know, it, it, I think overall it's even with roots, it's, it's a pretty good series and anybody that's uh, interested in that kind of computer gaming world type of stuff, uh, with all this conspiracy theory stuff, uh, definitely would enjoy it. So nice. I'm no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, uh, the series myself, but I, I, I do like the concept of it. And uh, I read a few of the mangas and, and caught a couple of episodes when it was on, um, I think it used to air on Adult Swim, right? No, it no. was on Tech TV, I think. Tech TV? It? No, it was on Adult Swim. Yeah, for, for a short while, yeah. Network. Yeah. Um, I know that, uh, I was just on, uh, Anime Addicts Anonymous recently, and I know that Mitsugi, one of the hosts of that show who's been on our show, is a big fan of Dot Hack to the point, um, I, he, I think he might be starting a podcast on that, but that's to be determined. <laughs> but yeah, he's a big fan Shortest of that podcast ever. Hey man, he's he's a big fan of that, and yeah, the, I always thought it was a cool concept. I always wanted to play. Um, I played a little bit of the first game. I like to start podcasts about things that I hate. Oh man, you should, man. <laughs> <laughs> They're already doing it on YouTube. <laughs> People, anyway. But okay, um, Dalo also asks. What do you think of DC's animated original movies, i.e. Batman, Gotham Knight, Wonder Woman, Superman, Doomsday, and so on? Right on. Gotham Knight I thought was was great. You know, I love both of um, Nolan's movies, and this fit in very nicely between them. Um, sure did. Some segments were better than others, but overall it was a great package. And, of course, as a diehard fan of the 90s cartoon, uh, anything that has Kevin Conroy in it, I'm all over that. Yes, Arie. <laughs> that was a great one. Um, the Green Lantern was pretty good. There's a little bit on the short end and a little bit too much uh, story compacting going on there. Mm-hmm. But it was enjoyable. Uh, I did recently watch uh, Batman Under the Red Hood. Oh, what'd you think of that? Great movie. Really? I loved it. It has an entirely different vocal cast. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got Bruce Greenwood as Batman. You've got John DiMaggio as the Joker. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris as Nightwing. Nice. You know, so don't expect don't don't go into that one being disappointed when you don't hear Kevin Conroy and uh, Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. But despite the different voice cast, it's great, and it certainly ain't for kids. I've got the I've got the DVD sitting on my desk. I've been wanting to watch it. I, I just saving it for a rainy day so I can thoroughly be enjoyed. But yeah, man, that that's... I would say with in terms of Batman movies, mm-hmm. Batman animated movies, um, it's not as good as Mask of the Phantasm, but I would put it on sort of the same level as uh, Mask of the Phantasm and Sub-Zero, which are both uh, my favorite Batman animated movies. Really? Well said. It's a great movie. Go check it out. Can't speak to any of the other uh, DC movies beyond that because I haven't seen them yet, so that's my experience. The only one I saw was recently I watched the Superman Doomsday. (laughs) Um, Not really feeling it. So... Um, okay. I'd like to get, I'll probably eventually get to the other Batmans and stuff. I, I do definitely like that, but it was just one of those things I saw up on Netflix stream as it's like, it was short and I was like, eh, you know what? I'll just give this a chance. And, um, yeah, it just wasn't, I'm not a huge Superman person anyways, mm-hmm. but it just was kind of me. I mean, Superman's a bitch. Yeah. Wow. All right. So <laughs> that's, that's my, uh, so bro. Well, I, I feel, I feel, I feel quite strongly about Superman. I've always, um, I've always liked, uh, the Paul Dini and uh, Bruce Timm interpretations of him, but um, going into the uh, the original movies that DC's put out recently, um, I've seen Wonder Woman. I thought it was pretty cool. Nathan Fillion was hilarious in that. Um, 
I, I, I like the representation of Wonder Woman. Nathan Fillion was Wonder Woman? No, but Nathan Fillion played the, uh, he, pl- he was in there and he played the male, f- the male lead in there. If you can call him a lead, he's more of a supporting character. He plays the, uh, the voice of the fighter pilot that crash lands on their, um, on the island of the Amazons. I forget what it's called, but, uh, they, they quickly put his ass in prison. Bond- Bondagonia? Bondagonia. <laughs> Just the lines he says about the women are pretty funny. And, um, he's paired up with Wonder Woman who's voiced by, um, Ah, what's the name of that chick? She was in Felicity. Um, but yeah, the, the Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell, I believe, that's the voice of Wonder Woman in that, and yeah, it's very well done. Uh, it 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 was, it was pretty cool. Um, my favorites out of the DC universe, I, I saw. Um, Chris named two of them: Mask of the Phantasm and uh, Sub Zero. But I'm a big fan of uh, Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker. I love that movie to death. Uh, you didn't like it, huh? I like the uncut version. I hate um, that movie to death. Wow, I do. I could not feel any more opposite about that movie. <laughs> is it? Tell me, is it just because of the part in the past with Tim Drake? Is that it? Is that all that it is? No, is that I why mean, you love that movie? Because the rest of that movie is so retarded beyond belief. Come on, like, hey, I'm mm-hmm. the Joker, and I'm gonna put a little DNA chip inside of Tim Drake, and yeah. then when he's some fat old guy in the future, this chip's going to activate and magically transform me back into the Joker that I was in the 20th century. Ha <laughs> ha! Fun times. <laughs> that is just retarded. That is so it, stupid. I can't was, even explain how stupid that is. It was convoluted. I'm not going to front. So, that, that's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> But I've seen many many episodes of the of of other shows of uh in 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 the animated DC universe that were that were convoluted too. But yeah, but I, that's I, that's pretty freaking convoluted. As <laughs> far as convoluted goes, it would have mm-hmm. made more sense if the Joker just time traveled to the future. You think so? Or if he was cloned? It would have made rather than being some DNA chip hiding out inside a fat Tim Drake for forty years. Yeah, I'm sorry. That, that's, I just I hate that movie. I hate that movie so much. I, I like the I like the I, I, like I, I co- want to do a podcast about how much I hate that movie. Really? Yes. Damn it! I love that fight at the end and the exchange between Mark Hamill and uh, I mean um, between uh, the 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 faux Mark Joker, Hamill. the faux Joker <laughs> and um and and, Bat- and Batman Beyond. I'll, I'll I'll say that for lack of a better word. I'm not saying yeah. the fights are bad. I'm just saying that the story is just so freaking stupid. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. And people just jizz over that movie so much. Like it's the the greatest it's it's paul dini's gift to humanity damn chris you ain't no pleasing you <laughs> i love that movie I, I'm, I'm sorry I, I, we, we do need to do a podcast just debating on the on the on the on the benefits and detractors of that film I, i'm sure we'll done we'll, we'll hate each other on that shit but <laughs> but um other movies i've seen i didn't like superman doomsday that much um I did enjoy uh, the uh, the world's finest one that came out just recently. Um, I've got queued up in my network, in my Netflix queue, the uh, Crisis on Two Earths. Your network. My network. <laughs> you, 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 you're pre torrenting. Is that what you? Is that how you watch these movies? Ooh, Freudian slip. No, it's uh, the the Crisis on Two Earths just came out on Netflix, so um, I queued that sure. up. So I'm, I'm getting ready to watch that. And uh, my brother let me borrow uh, the uh, the Red Hood movie, and I heard the, the extras on that DVD rock. So um, I don't know if you watched them yet. Ooh, the, that that really gets me to want to watch them. I'm all about I'm all about extras. I'm all about Ooh. extras, dude. I'm all about extras because you, it's it's awesome to have the movie, but it's awesome. It's even better to have the behind the scenes, especially if it's good and it's, it explains a lot. And um, I'm looking forward to watching that DVD, especially since Chris is uh, giving his his uh, resounding review of it. But yeah. Uh, for the most part, I'm a big fan of the DC universe. I also own uh, the Batman Gotham Knight DVD, and I think that's 
one of the best products of Batman to come out in a long time. So, yeah, I, I got to agree it's with It's better on Blu-ray. Oh, well, one of these days. <laughs> so. Go ahead. Uh, last question from Dalo and our last one in the mailbag. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been over a year since Double O finished. As of now, has the show aged well? Has your opinion of the show gone down or up? Because as it is, I'm starting to believe that you guys think that season two was as bad as the others on the internet. In short, I guess what I'm asking, what do you think of the show as a whole on its own without knowing that there is a movie coming? Is it good or is it bad? Okay, so as much as we joke about Double O Season 2 being terrible, mm-hmm. that's just a joke because people like to complain <laughs> about Double O Season 2. None of us dislike Double O Season 2. I, I loved Double O Season 2. I liked it as much as Season 1. Exactly. And I know I must be crazy for saying that. <laughs> it, it's just an ode to that guy that sat there and said something. Oh, yeah. Like, We're just knocking all those people who constantly shit on Double O and just yeah. keep whining about season two yeah we're, we're, so it's a parrot i enjoyed it then mm-hmm. i still enjoy it just as much now and i don't see that changing yeah, we, and I'll, I'll lay down a prediction mm-hmm. i'll lay down a prediction of the the latest internet bitching okay so when double o season one was airing people were complaining that there was too much politics it was too slow too boring mm-hmm. wasn't gundam yada yada <laughs> so then season two comes along and has some more traditional Gundam elements, barring a little bit from, from Zeta, yada yada. Everyone starts complaining that season two is just same old Gundam cliches over and over, and it wasn't, you know, awesome and original like season one was, mm-hmm. which suddenly now retroactively became a masterpiece. I guarantee you, when everyone finally sees um, this movie of Double O, which has extraterrestrials in it, oh man, I can see the complaint. Yep. Dude, there's aliens in the Gundam. That's not Gundam. Why couldn't it be more Gundam like season two was? <laughs> I know it. I can see it. I can. I can already see the. I can. I can see the pre-trolling in my brain already. Oh yeah, you heard it here first, y'all. You heard it <laughs> here first. Folks. I. I. Uh, I, I, I completely agree with you. And and the thing is, is I really haven't seen Double O since we stopped reviewing it. Mm-hmm. We ended our reviews. Um, I think one of these days I'll go back and um, you know and watch it, but uh, again, but I mean it's I it, I still hold it in pretty high regard. I, yeah. I think you know where there's some parts of it that I didn't like, yeah. That, but that's with anything. There are certain things that you you just don't like all the time. But um, yeah, I mean don't don't always take everything for uh, you know verbatim here. Uh, yeah, this the, the second season stuff is just a, a jokey joke. Yeah. So um, <laughs> you know, and and and, and I, I I also believe Chris that yeah, when this movie comes out, because that's just the mindset of a troll. It's the 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 new thing. The new thing that replaces the old thing they bitched about because now the old thing becomes this instant classic and, you know, how dare you speak ill of it. But it's like the same, these same trolls are saying bad crap about it like a year before. So mm-hmm. it, it'll be interesting. But that's part of the reason why Gundam's here to, uh, to assassinate trolls <laughs> everywhere. All right. And to fight the Robotech but, Defense Force. Yeah, I mean, all, we, all we've done is parody those uh, naysayers on the internet that like to crap on um, that like to crap on uh, Double O. I, I, you know, it, it's it's always been a running joke. Sometimes, sometimes we do it for so long that we never, you know, tell people that we're just joking. So you know, it may get seen as if we're are gravitating towards that, but it's not. That's not. That's far from the truth. We we all love Double O, and um, I, it, this past decade, it's the best representation of Gundam that's come along over the last decade, and it was quite the surprise to us because a lot of us had misconceptions of what the show might be like. And it turned out to be it's it it, it turned out it, it it 
it surpassed every expectation we had in, in, in most respect. What can I say? Sorry, folks. We, we like to say stupid things that make us laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you're not clued on it. Yeah. It's not always about you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that wraps up the mailbag for this, uh, this episode. Please send in more questions. We'll get to them some year. All right. Well, great. Extended mailbag. And with that, we'll be going into our first segment. You're listening to Gundam at NHQ. Just got to keep on trucking. Yes, sir. I'm going to go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first-place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day. Gum damn it. Well, all right, you're messy. Would you make me a medal, too? In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com the Ass Backwards Enemy Podcast. Oh, wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. I'm tired of other anime podcasts being such a star fest. My plan was perfect, but there was one thing I overlooked. One factor I failed to calculate. He's a dumbass. I hate Narutards. Oh my god, he's wet. And I'm sick of the giant Moe monster wreaking havoc in my anime city. So what's my solution? Make a better podcast than everyone else. Well, at least I try anyway. Join me, Josh Dunham, as I talk about my ideas and opinions about current Japanese music, games, and anime. You can find my weekly podcast at www.animation.blogspot.com. That's A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N. I review the new shows and manga coming out of Japan, as well as ye old goodies. So check me out. I'm only a Google search away at animation. A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N. You see us uh, struggling in the car. You walk up, you open the door, and you say... You're lying, George. Oh, uh... Hey, you! Get your damn hands off her! You really think I ought to swear? Yes, definitely. Damn it, George, swear.
This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and uh, for this topic we're going to be talking about Surprise Gundam. Hey, hey. But uh, since we've talked about everything else to death, <laughs> over and over again. Hey, you don't want to talk about what your top ten favorite villains are? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I, I think I want to re-review every episode of Double O individually as its own podcast. <laughs> Except for season two, because it wasn't worth it. Oh, Jesus. Exactly. This time we're talking about some manga, which is something that uh, gets requested every once in a while. And uh, we're going to be talking about sort of a group discussion of several of the various uh, astray mangas that have been produced over the last eight or so years. So um, I figure we can talk a little bit in brief about each different one and our thoughts about it. So obviously the first place to start would be the original astray, which was published alongside the broadcast in Japan of Gundam Seed back in 2002. And of course is set in the same universe as a side story. And... It was kind of neat because this was the first time that you had, for Gundam, a manga where the story was running concurrent to what was happening in the TV broadcast, and you had some interaction between the um, events of the two, but more towards the side of the manga than the TV show, since the TV show pretty much ignored the manga. So in this uh, story of the first Astray series, you have two main characters. One of them is uh, Lo Guel. He's a mechanic for the junk guild not to be confused with judo and the junkyard kids oh (laughs) and uh you know he's kind of like a the salvage guy they just salvage crap and they repair it and they sell it he's got a couple of friends that he does that with and then you've got a mercenary named um guy murakumo and his uh mercenary group which is very well known is called serpent tail and he's a very highly skilled pilot who takes on a variety of jobs so this story picks up pretty much after the beginning of Seed, where um, Heliopolis has been destroyed, and um, you know Lo is in the area. They're doing some salvaging, and Guy is on a mission to wipe out some evidence of some things that people don't want to be leaked. And they both come across um, these Gundam-type mobile suits that are being built by Orb and were stored on Heliopolis and managed to survive the colony's destruction. So, you know, Lo runs off with the red frame, and Guy takes the blue frame, and um, all sorts of adventures pop up along the way, where they uh, run into some characters from the main seed show, and they have some of their own villains that um, create obstacles for them. And um, what's kind of odd about Astray, at least with the first series, was that they broke it up into three publications. You had Astray, the one that we're talking about now, uh, you had some of the story concurrently being told in Astray R, which was a manga mainly about Lo, and then you had a novel called Astray B, B being for red frame and R for that, B being for blue frame and R for red frame. Mm-hmm. Astray B focused mainly on um, Guy. So, kind of, you needed to have all three of these together to get the complete story, which leads to reading one, if you read one or the other, without reading them both, there's parts where things seem disjointed mm-hmm. or not explained. Mm-hmm. So before we get to all that stuff, uh, you guys have any comments on the original three-volume story of Astray? Uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, like you said, it, it's um, unlike some franchises who try to use like supplemental material to uh, you know introduce things. This one, this was you know complementing it. Like you said, um, 
astray is actually going more towards the what happening in the show than um, than what's being you know than the the show to the manga. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where you find out how Kira got saved from the strike. Hell yeah! Um, so that that was kind of cool, but. Um, yeah, I mean, um, it like you said, it is a little disjointed if you read them out of order, um, especially R and R, R and Blue Frame. Um, but you know, overall, I, I think it was it was pretty enjoyable, and it was you know it was a quick little delve into uh, a different side of uh, of an existing um, you know of the existing universe that we were seeing up on uh, on television then. But Soul Pro, I like to call this series Gun of Seed behind the scenes. <laughs> Because this is Neo said there were um there are facets of the sea story that didn't get explained that were explained in these mangas like um the whole thing how Ki- uh, Kira got to um orb after um the explosion of uh what the um, well he got to yeah. uh the plants that's how he got to the plants after that and um when the uh, archangel got to orb and it was all effed up yeah who um, fixed it who fixed it it was the junk <laughs> guild yeah and uh, you know just all those little neat details but I mean it it the the real charm of the Astray series are the characters. And and to be honest with you, there were more likable characters in the Astray mangas <laughs> to me than there were in Seed. Seed, you know, had a pretty Even good more class. So Cy Argyle. Oh boy, Cy was, was my boy. But you know, no one could beat with Low. No, no, no one could compete with Low, man. Low's the man. <laughs> but he's not your man. He, is he? He, was, he was a more compelling lead than any of the, in the leads in Seed to me. Yeah, he was. He, he's just you know he's that red blooded. Uh, he's a hot blooded pilot that you were looking for. He's that red blooded American. Red blooded American. <laughs> He was a hot-blooded pilot you were looking for to show up in Seed, and it's a shame he was just um, restricted to be in the mangas. And then you have a cool-ass pilot like Guy, who um, leads his uh, his his particular story, and um, they both show up, of course, in the first uh, the first volume of Astray. And they all meet. They both meet each other under the circumstances where they get their uh, their Astrays, and they're, they're both compelling guys. And it's a shame you don't get to see those guys, um, you know, show up in the animated series because I think they would have made. Uh, that it made it a bit more exciting. They had a neat explanation where they came from, but a cameo or two wouldn't have hurt. But um, yeah, I enjoyed the Astray mangas, and I, I do see where you're coming from, Chris. When um, there are some some holes in the story, thanks to the fact that we didn't get the whole story um, in the Astray in the Astray manga. But that's what I have to say. Okay. All right. Hey, Chris, I got a question though before you go move on. If yes, God, was it ever explained? If, Guy was a coordinator, but why did he have to wear glasses? <laughs> They're stylish because he he wanted to be cool, man. Okay, I was just wondering about. I I couldn't remember if it was just like he was wearing like mm -hmm. shooting glasses or or what. But I always found that a little odd because he was like what a a combat coordinator that was wearing Earth Forces uniform. Yeah, yeah. I was I was just about to say that was the other thing that was kind of stuck. Yeah, you figured he'd be um, in his aft uniform, but yeah, he's a coordinator that uh wears a uh, Federation uniform, and yeah, that's Alliance, not Federation. Uh, Alliance. I'm sorry, and uh, that's a contradiction in itself. But, so. All right. Um, my comments basically are pretty much along the same lines as, as you guys. You know, I like the characters of Lo and Guy. Um, I like that Astray doesn't take itself too seriously, like mm-hmm. yeah. C did um, far too often. You know, they kind of have a. It's just a fun, laid-back story. It kind of, uh, in terms of its tone, reminds me a bit of Gundam X, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, it's a show that way. with lighter characters that uh, you know are just kind of having a good time, and you know. Not everything is serious business teen drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of that angst. And of course, you know, you have some of your typical cliches that you see, like, uh, you know, Kisato, uh, you know, she, she's uh, hopelessly after Lo, but uh, he just is clueless and doesn't see it. 
Yeah. Right. You know, you've got uh, a sort of like their boss, the um, you know the the uh, the professor who is um, you know prone to not wearing clothes, <laughs> getting drunk pop. too, wasn't she? Did getting she get drunk? She yeah. was the she was the predecessor to Sumeragi in a sense. She's kind of a proto uh, Ramius Sumeragi. Oh yeah, there you go. And uh, you know, on the other hand, you've got guy who uh, has a very workmanlike approach to his job of you know doing all these missions, no matter what sort of thing they might involve, including all sorts of dirty work for various governments mm-hmm. so um that makes for a nice uh a nice change from your typical like kid caught up in war in seed story but it also expands the cosmic era world a lot more so you see all these things like you know the black market and you know all this other stuff that exists outside of just earth and zaf trying to blow each other up yeah exactly the, the everyday ongoings of that universe so, so but- moving on we have um Astray R, which, uh, like I said, you know, takes place during the same time frame of Astray. However, it's different in one very major respect because the Astray manga was drawn by uh, Gundam manga mainstay Koichi Tokita, and Astray R was drawn by um, Yasunari Toda, right? Who um, has a very distinct drawing style. I don't know if you guys uh, recall from when you read it, and uh, you know, he sometimes draws people like. Sort of like very buff, weird faces. Yeah. Right. Looks like something like out of Gogo 13 or, or some like Yakuza type thing. Mm-hmm. Where people just look very severe. Yeah, I, I think he was the um, the artist that also did the, the manga version of Scride, right? I, I could I, be wrong on that. One of them was, well, I, have to, I have to look that up, but I remember when I read it, it was the art style was very similar to something I'd already read. And uh, <laughs> another thing about the, the art. And this that was a bit of a bother for me in Astray R, I don't know if you guys had this problem, was that um, sometimes you'd look at like these two-page spreads that would be so over-detailed yeah. that you couldn't quite make out what was happening. Damn. Yeah. Even after reading it a couple of times. You're right about that, especially during the fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you know, the stories along the same lines as uh, Astray, you've got characters showing up like Rondo Gina Sahaku, a coordinator from one of um, Orb's ruling families. He's a crazy guy and he wants to rule the world. You've got an informant named uh, Kenoff Lucini who keeps screwing with um, with Lo and uh, getting him into all these situations. Um, you've got you've got Lo training with uh, Uno on how to uh, be a swordsman using a yeah. sword robot, which is kind of neat stuff, sort of a uh, Sort of a Mr. Miyagi type thing going on. You've got, um, towards the end of Astrayar, you've got multiple appearances of the Regenerate Gundam and all the fights against that with and its crazy pilot. So there's a lot of stuff that um, when you read this, it uh, makes some things in Astray make more sense and vice versa. Comments on this iteration of the Astray story? Liked it pretty much. Um, like you said, it was a little weird with some of those spreads and all that. And I did, I did like the... Um, you know the kind of um, waterfall training sequences you had with Guy and all, <laughs> or with Lowell. I'm sorry, um, but um, you know, other than that, I, it, it you know it was just a, an enjoyable read. So, Silver. Yeah, it's it's the uh, super robot component to the Seed universe. You know, it, it uh, Lowe himself is you know definitely a, a a man outside of um he's in the wrong universe basically but he makes do of it with the red frame and is this is this the series where they introduced him having this the the katana or did he build it in um did he build it in the astray manga i can't remember he had it in astray but you see him um i believe 
making it here and doing yeah. the training with it in, yeah. in R. That's my favorite story, too, because, um, you know, he comes to the realization that using the beam saber, it takes a way too much power. So, you know, he, he has to resort to using a more conventional melee weapon, and he gets the idea to create a katana, which is outstanding. You know, I've never seen uh, a Gundam with a full-size samurai katana like that one. And um, that's what makes a red frame so badass, even in the model form. Uh, because of that katana, it's, it's a... It's a it's a samurai in a world where, you know, high-tech weaponry is the norm, and yet he uses that to great effect and learns how to use it even even um, even, even more so throughout the course of that. But, yeah, it, R is a lot of fun. It, it's, got that, um, it's got that super robot vibe to it that you would never expect in the Seed universe, and I dug it. Okay. Um, obviously, we can't really talk about B because it was never translated, mm-hmm. so not much we can say about it. Sorry. I'm, I'm just going to assume it's the real robot half. Of <laughs> of the manga universe recedes, so but um, I would like to read it if it ever gets translated, which which it never well, will be. <laughs> I, I guess I guess we can keep on dreaming. All right, well, damn. So I take a brief detour for a minute, and uh, because this fits with the setting, talk about the Astray OAVs, mm-hmm. and um, you mean the model yeah, not, shorts? <laughs> yeah, they're they're not um, actual OAVs in the traditional sense. You know, they made two sort of five minutes. OVAs that um, are commercials, in a sense, for Red Frame and Blue Frame, and they were shown in Japanese hobby shops, and they sort of just like little vignettes of uh, things. So you've got them animated in sort of the same quality of animation as Seed, maybe a little higher. You know, same kind of uh, music, sound effects, that sort of thing. So it fits like something that's in the Seed universe. You can tell it's in the Seed universe. Uh, you've got one story with uh, Lo, where he uh, he picks up some new junk at an auction and then starts getting chased by a Zaf mobile suit and has to evade it. Right. Kind of a neat little fight. And the other story, you've got um, you've got Guy on the battlefield trying to capture a Zaf mobile suit for a mission, and then he comes across um, a very famous Seed uh, MSV pilot, uh, Ed the Ripper. Yeah. Oh, nice. Carlson and, or whatever. Uh, Ed Harrelson, who is one of the big seed MSV characters who appears later on in um, Destiny Astray, who also appears in um, you know, a whole bunch of these seed MSV type stories. So, unfortunately, uh, that short ends just as they start fighting, so you never actually get to see who's, who's the better pilot. Damn. Yeah, it's like, it, it, it ends, it's like, okay, a cliffhanger, now go buy both models so you can <laughs> yeah. put them in the battle yourself. And determine the outcome. And read the manga, too. <laughs> so what did you guys think of uh, these uh, little brief uh, vignettes, commercials, pouring, oh. whatever you whatever you want to call it? I thought they were enjoyable. I, you know, definitely the red frame one has got a little bit more humor, especially towards the end. Uh, but, you know, you got kind of the uh, butt rock going when Lowell's getting chased by the, um, you know, and it's just... You, to you the can, tune of TM Revolution. yeah. And it, it, it it's just um, it, you know it's it's just basically uh, like you said a, a a glorified commercial and showing you what what these suits would look like if they were actually in like the the seed um, show itself but um, and then uh, the one with uh, guy blue frame uh, that was cool and you know finally you get to see the calamity actually look decent for once <laughs> and, and usable and usable because the other one was just. The original one was just that was the one that was just uh, garbage. Mean, yeah, it was complete garbage. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely just more little, you know, just more compliments to the universe expanding out a little bit, and you know, 
So, sober. I think it certainly is. A, it's a tease, and it's like, yeah. yeah, enjoy this more than parts. A lot of the parts of scene, it's like, man, Jeez. couldn't this have been a full length OAV? Yeah, I mean, so it's well, what could have been, right? Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. It seems like a pilot for an anime series that never came to be. <laughs> and um, it, it, Or at least an animation test to see you know, how it would take and um, how it would look and everything, um, how the universe you know, being brought to light, life on screen would look. And um, It makes you hunger for more. It makes you wish that there was a, an OVA movie or series that was uh, based on this at least. You know, TV series might be too much to ask, but OVA is not too much to ask at all. And... Um, it's past its prime now, but you know if they announce it tomorrow, I'd still be excited. But that's not happening, so I'll just have to have to take what I get. And um, if anybody hasn't out there has seen Seed and hasn't seen these shorts, you should definitely go out and hunt them down. They're they're, they're really cool. All right, switching back to uh, manga, go to one of uh, my least favorite iterations of the Astray story, and that is uh, X Astray. Oh which uh, is only two volumes, mercifully, <laughs> and uh, was drawn again by Koichi Tokita, so it's in his style rather than the severe style of Astray R. So this series is set during... Um, there's a two-month gap at the beginning of episode 47 of Seed, and uh, this manga takes place within that whole gap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the story switches to some new characters, and uh, the character that uh, we're focusing on for the whole time of these two volumes is a guy named Canard Pars, and he's a secret operative for the uh, Eurasian Federation, and he has a kind of unique Gundam called the Hyperion Gundam, Mm -hmm. which um, looks like your typical Gundam, but it has these uh, emitter things on its back that allow it to create an energy barrier, kind of like a miniaturized version of the uh, Artemis umbrella. Mm-hmm. And um, he's kind of a crazy dick, and he's on a quest tracking down uh, Kira Yamato because he, uh, he wants to defeat Kira Yamato right. and encounters um, a very kind of strange young boy named Prayer Reverie who has a mobile suit called the uh, Dreadnought Gundam, which... Um, is a Zaf prototype for later what you see, the Providence, that's used by uh, Rao at the end of the series. And um, it only has four penis funnels on its back, Aww. which are shaped like an X, which is why Lowe nicknames it the X Astray, because technically it's not part of the Astray series that um, Red Frame and Gold Frame and Blue Frame come from. Right. It was just nicknamed that by Lowe. So anyway... Um, Throughout these two volumes, characters like Lo and Guy, they kind of take a back seat, and it's mostly about Kennard just being an asshole and running into people and searching for Kira. So what did you all have to think of this story? Well, Kennard reminded me of a low-rent Domokashu because it was like, our, <laughs> instead of like, have you seen this man? Have you seen this man before? Like in uh, G-Gundam, it's like, are you Kira y- Yamato? It's like... Do you know where I can find Kira Yamato? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I would say he's like a he's a he's a low rent domon combined with a more annoying Shinasuka. Yeah, oh, yeah, you had to go there. Um, <laughs> and then you got Mini Moo. Um, Mini Moo. Uh, <laughs> prayer, who definitely looks like uh, looks like uh, Moo, uh, a little bit more so than uh, even uh, looking in like Ral or any like that. But um, and then he, I remember he, they had the weird flashback i guess he's supposed to be uh he had a flashback of being in the cockpit of the mobius during uh oh. 
the Endemian battle. Right. And uh, so there's like all this like insinuation there. But um, yeah, it was um, I I didn't dislike it, but I was just kind of meh. Uh, I felt it, you know, after reading uh, the previous Astrays, it was a little bit of a letdown. And, um, you know, luckily, like you said, it was only two volumes, so you didn't have to go too long through it. So um, that's really about all I could say there. But, Solbra? I mean, I really haven't read this one. Um, I, Kennard Pars, isn't he like some kind of half-caught clone of uh, Kira? Or is, well, what uh, he is, um, he's, a, uh, he's a failed ultimate coordinator yeah oh all right He's which the, um wasn't he one the only ones that lived because like didn't yeah. they kill all the other ones so yeah he's the only one that survived oh wow and um you know very likely he is related to kira well that's since, since he was part of the ultimate coordinator test so mm-hmm. there is that uh i think when he has showed up in video games he's been voiced in japanese by the same voice actor who plays kira wow makes you wonder <laughs> he kind of looks like a crazy Kira with longer hair. So that's 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 the impression I got, and it's like, man, I I thought I read somewhere that it's possible that he was a, you know, a duplicate or a clone, but it seems like he's just part of that experiment, and he, there could be some kind of tree. yeah, part of that family tree, if anything. But yeah, he just seems like a more angsty, more 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 insane Kira. But um, and we find out um, throughout the story that the reason he's tracking down Kira is because he's one of these failed ultimate coordinators, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, some mysterious man in glass sunglasses put the idea into his head that um, if you feel that you're a failed ultimate coordinator, you can become the real deal by defeating a perfect ultimate coordinator. coordinator. Yeah. Oh, man. Who could that be? And, <laughs> and his name is Kira. Oh, so man. it hasn't been um, definitively stated, but it is hinted at that uh, this mystery man in sunglasses who gave... Um, Kennard's information was Gilbert Durandal. Yeah. Oh. Which would kind of fit given, you know, uh, Durandal's background as a uh, geneticist and his yeah. particular fascination with Kira. It wouldn't be surprising if um, you know, he was the one who made that appearance to uh, help Kennard escape from where he was and just drop this information of, hey, uh, maybe you should go beat up this guy, Kira. <laughs> it's kind of a it's kind of a half baked uh, fighting game plot. There you, you go. Know, man. Just uh, <laughs> to be the best, you have to defeat the best. So we're the Capcoms. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. You feel that you're a failure. Everybody tells you are, but to to, to make those people shut up, you got to beat the best. So so, so you're saying that that guy in sunglasses to, wasn't Richard Randall? I can see was, the tagline yeah. to to be the best. You have to beat the best. Yeah. So apparently the um the guy in sunglasses wasn't coming Durando. October fifteenth. It, um, <laughs> it was Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> to beat a man, you've got to beat the man. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> what written now on pay per view? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, now nice. it would be wrestling so much. It it probably he'd be a MMA fighter. Yeah, because that's the new you know that's rolling new wrestling ro- rolling around in the uh, rolling around in the mat with men is uh, the new, the new sport of choice. <laughs> so. Fifteen years ago, he would have been a boxer, but now he's an MMA guy. But Chris, continue. Back to Chris. All right. So uh, moving on, we have uh, Destiny Astray, which is a four-volume manga that uh, naturally is a side story to Destiny. Uh, was not published in America, so you have to uh, go out and find it on the Internet by other methods. So it presents an interesting story because it picks up uh, right 
Well, it actually starts, you know, pretty well before the um, the start of Destiny, during that two-year gap between Seed and Destiny. Yep. And the story this time focuses on uh, Jess Rabble, a photojournalist. So, of course, that piqued my interest. Mm. Because, you know, as a journalist, my number one dream is to, to pilot a Gundam. Hell yeah, dude. With cameras. <laughs> with cameras. With a camera gun. And uh, he encounters... Uh, Lo out in space and um, some shenanigans happen and Lo decides to give him this mobile suit that uh, he found at Genesis Alpha (laughs) at the end of Astray R but uh, hasn't really finished it and um, he gives him this this Gundam which he calls Outframe although the actual identity of uh, what Outframe is is revealed later on Oh, right on. So you have um, Jess, who is, like I said, a photojournalist, and you know he wants to see the truth of the world, yada yada. And uh, he has this outframe, which um, he was searching about culture. <laughs> yes. Who would win in a fight, Jess, an outframe, or Dennis in the backseat of a uh, Valkyrie? You, you, you mean the uh, the civilian Valkyrie? The civilian Valkyrie. Yep. Yeah, I, I got my money on Jess. Now, what if you had the civilian um, Valkyrie piloted by Royce, uh, you know, and, and they're in their buddy cop mode, their buddy cop down in Miami mode? No comment. <laughs> you could still fly when you're drunk. No. <laughs> I could just see, like, uh, I could see Roy, like, in a really bad Hawaiian shirt. No, actually, Dennis in, like, a really bad Hawaiian shirt with, like, some stains in the front. Like, you don't know if they're, like, uh, you know, Jack and Coke stains or, like, a cheeseburger. <laughs> and then Roy, like, in, like, a, a with a bad, like, one of those, um, what, what, aren't they, like, a, aren't they called, like, a Cuban shirt, Chris? The ones that are, you know, they have, that are kind of, um... You know, they have, uh, they like used to wear them like in the seven. people used to wear them in the 70s and 80s. They had like the, the uh, you would wear them untucked, but they were like a button down and they had those pockets like up on the top and the bottom. You know what you I'm mean, talking about? Uh, guayabetas? Yes. There you go. Which yes. people still wear here. So yeah. it's not, they're certainly not a 70s thing. <laughs> no, I mean, but they were, they were more popular, I think, like mainstream back, yeah. uh, you know, because Miami's just a different world in its own. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, the story of Destiny Astray covers a pretty long period. Like I said, it starts before Destiny. You've got um, Jess's adventures, which include uh, running into Ed Harrelson in South America during um, one of the unexplored chapters of Seed History, which is um, the Earth Alliance going to war against South America to sort of bring it under the fold. Right yeah. on. And uh, Ed gets involved, as do several other pilots from MSV. Yeah, that chick in the Forbidden, right? The Blue Forbidden. Yep. Who, uh, who Ed and you know and her have a thing going on. Yeah. And then another uh, MSV pilot uh, who uses a uh, a Buster type suit. So you've got that stuff. And then it jumps to uh, a bit before Destiny, and um, Jess is at Armory One for the unveiling of the Minerva, and he sees some stuff like. Um, you know, Shin testing the uh, the Impulse Gundam and um, the pissed off ramblings of the guy who feels that he was meant to be the pilot of uh, Impulse until he was overruled yeah. by Durandal and uh, Shin was put in position there. Yeah, right. So you've got Jess there before the events of Destiny, and then all of the stuff that starts happening with Destiny, you know, the uh, the Gundam Jack. Um, he sees the kids, doesn't he? If yes. I can remember. Yeah, he does see the kids. Yes. Uh, all the stuff that happens afterwards, break the world, the war. In the meantime, you've got um, 
just dealing with things like uh, the Testament Gundam, which is uh, a Zaf Gundam that uh, is now in the hands of the Earth Alliance, and um, it has all of these special abilities like you know appearing invisible on sensors. And what you discover is that uh, outframe that uh, that Lo gave to Jess is sort of the incomplete reserve unit for the Testament. Yep. So they're Ooh. kind of brother units. That's pretty cool, brother. Yeah. <laughs> and and the um, the uh, Testament is piloted by this crazy guy Ash from Astray R. Yeah, right on. Who was formerly the pilot of the Regenerate. Yep. And um, you've got some other plot threads from other. A stray mangas uh, like Rondo Gina Sahaku's sister Rondo Mina Sahaku, who started off kind of villains like her brother and um, hating Guy and Lo for being involved with the death of her brother. Right. But um, eventually came around and became an ally to Lo and Guy and Jess and all these people. Yeah, the the dude looks like a lady character. Dude looks like a lady. Which I must point out, uh, it really annoyed me. That because um, these two people look exactly the same. Yeah, yeah they do. And um, in the original Astray, Tokyo Pop constantly misidentified Rondo Gina as a woman. Yep. Yeah. And tried to cover up for their nonsense mm-hmm. in the second volume with like a note like, "Oh, describing the character like, oh, this character is very androgynous. Nobody knows if it's a man or woman. Please. Like, no, you guys didn't know. You guys are full of shit." <laughs> You screwed up. You screwed up. No wonder you're in, your, you're in receivership. Oh, ouch. <laughs> so that's something that always bugged me that it's like, yeah. Christ, can't you just get it straight? He's a freaking man. I, that bugged <laughs> the hell out of me, too, because it I was... really, really bugged the hell out of me. Because I was confused, because there, there are here. parts within the story that they reference him as a woman. A woman. And, and others than a man, like in, within the same chapter. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm looking dead at him, it's like, this looks like a dude. I would go back, and I'm like, did I read this wrong or something? Am I in the Lady Gaga vortex? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's so. like, this looks like a dude. But yeah, when um when his sister re- was sister services, yeah, I, uh, if anything, I've seen pictures of her, it's like, yeah, that's clearly a woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that that's an annoyance. Mm-hmm. So um, Destiny Astray is a great ride until the very end. Oh. Yeah. And I'll tell you the reason it's a great ride until the end is because it has no ending. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> the reason it has no ending is thanks thanks again to uh, you know this uh, multimedia synergy. There's a Destiny Astray novel. Oh, jeez. And um, the novel fills in some gaps of stuff, but up to the end you can enjoy the manga just by itself. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, the ending to the story is just in the novel. So the manga is sort of like, hey, let's go. There's stuff to do. The end. Yeah, that's crap. Go, go read the, go read the novel for the end. And it's like, <laughs> son of a bitch. So, I really did enjoy Destiny Astray up until that happened, and uh, unfortunately, it's kind of one of those things that um, really sucked out my enjoyment of Destiny Astray because. I think it's just really, really stupid the way they kept doing this of splitting up these stories and making you buy multiple things just yeah. to get one story. It's just such a horrible idea, and uh, I really hate that they kept doing that, and it just really pisses me off. And it makes it hard to bring to other markets, too. You know? That, too, because if you yeah. bring one and not the other, then, you know... What's the point? People are left in the dark. Exactly. So, did you guys read uh, this story at all? I did, and uh, I agree with you. I, I liked it, um... 
one of the things I liked is the whole South America thing that they showed because there was always little things within other the other stories and all the other multimedia things within C that they kept talking about, you know, Edward Harrelson and how, what he did down in South America. So it was kind of cool to see all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it was just nice to see even the background of the stuff of, of Armory 1 and the whole thing with, um, you know, Shin. You know, Shin wasn't really, he wasn't really the first pick, but, uh, and maybe he, you know, because there were what questions of his loyalty still, right? Because he was a new, he was newly defected to from or, or, or to uh, Zaft, and like recently just um, graduated the academy, I believe, and uh, yeah, got overridden by Durandal and stuff. But um, yeah, I uh, I honestly didn't really know too much about the um, uh, the novel, but um, as I read it at the end, I just thought it was just one of those things that uh, took a while for them to do the the final. Episode or the final uh, volumes, but uh, for the most part, I think it was pretty good. I, I think in a lot of ways, it, it's probably the best part of the Destiny uh, arc of uh, <laughs> of the Seed Universe. <laughs> Damn. So, uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely, um, you know, I definitely would suggest that for people to check out. And um, you know, so so bro, I only read the first uh, the first chapter of it when it when it first came out. Um, other than that, it it looked like it had a lot of promise. I'm I'm sorry to hear that the uh, ending was never you know brought to brought to graphic uh, novel form, uh, which is a shame. I guess you have to read the mangas and then go find the synopsis of what happens at the end somewhere on the internet, and that's not always, that's not cool at all. You know, if you live in Japan, you can read the novel, but you know, everywhere else in the world, you're you're kind of screwed. So it's, it doesn't bode well, and uh, I, I'm disappointed to hear that. But um, I'll still seek it out and, and check it out anyway, and 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 just do that. You know, find out what happens. But but I, that's that's all I got to say about Destiny Astray. Okay, so uh, moving on, uh, the next manga in the Astray uh, subset is Delta Astray, mm-hmm. which also um, it's set right after. Yeah, it's after set a little bit after Destiny, mm-hmm. Astray, and is still set during the uh, story of the Destiny TV show, and um, kind of ties in with uh, Stargazer as well. Awesome. So you have a lot of characters coming in together because uh, you do see some appearances by uh, Sven and uh, and his pals. So this series was only two volumes. Uh, again, it was done by Tokita, and uh, I only ever read the first volume, and it just didn't really interest me at all. It was kind of like X, like just didn't do anything for me. Uh, the characters in this story um, are a couple of guys who have come from Mars. Oh wow! And they have some kind of funky mobile suits, including the uh, the Delta Astray, which uh, kind of weird looking. And um, you know, the characters just didn't really do much for me. And you know, again, you had a case where the characters that you like take a backseat to these new people. Yeah. Which didn't bother me in Destiny Astray because uh, people like Jess and uh, Kate and all these other people were interesting new characters, but this kind of falls back like X, like, eh, I don't really care about these people, and give me some more Guy and Lowe or some other characters who might be interesting. Yeah. So I can't comment much on the story beyond that, having not read the second volume. Uh, any comments? Um, I'm just like you. I just read the first volume, and um, I don't know if I was as harsh as you were, but I just kind of... The whole kind of Mars thing, I was just like, eh. I, I I didn't really seem it. It didn't seem necessary to me mm-hmm. to like do this whole thing. Like, oh, now there's people from Mars, and it's just like I don't know. But um, yeah, I never finished it either, so I really can't sit there and say one way or the other if it's um 
if it's that if it's good or not but i don't think i i wouldn't say i was uh, my feelings towards it from what i read is and it's the same point that you did to, that you did chris i don't think i'm as harsh as you are about not that you're harsh but i think i'm a little well, i wouldn't bit say it's not i mean yeah, maybe the second volume would have stuff that would interest me but it's just i just it's feel very hard to gauge meh. yeah it's very I, meh about it it didn't. It didn't excite me enough to like actively search out when they, you know, translated the second volume. <laughs> so, but Soul bro, I've never read it, so I'm, I'm, I've got nothing, gentlemen. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> so. As usual. As usual. Soul bro has nothing to say. Oh man, empty cup. <laughs> Just an empty suit. There you go. <laughs> All right, so uh, we have um, two other series left to cover, which uh, will be very brief because it's kind of similar to, uh, to to Delta. There's not much that we can say in the, in the current situation that these uh, series are in. Uh, of course, Delta was also not released by Tokyo Pop here, so you, you can't get it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next series was called Frame Astrays, and um, I read a little bit of it. Didn't really catch my attention much. Can't even think of who was in it. Only thing that kind of sticks out is that they introduced uh, the green frame, right? Which was another one of the. Um, oh, that's where that's from. I, I didn't read this, but I, I've I've seen a scan of the green frame. I was wondering where the heck that was. Okay. Ooh. Yep. Because you had you had five uh, different things that Orb was doing. You know, you had the red, blue, and gold, and now you have green. So that's the fourth one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the fifth one, the mirage frame, shows up in the most recent series uh, versus Astray which I also have not read and really has not caught my attention because um, the mobile suits are all just really ugly rehashes of existing mobile suits from Seed and Destiny with all of their backpacks moved around in stupid ways and given really bad garish color schemes yeah I don't I didn't I kind of saw it but i didn't really i think at the point that i saw it come out i was having a stray fatigue yeah i was just like "Eh, i don't care it's like a stray just it was cool at one point but it's like sometimes you can go to the well one too many times yeah so So, looking unfortunately our information here about that is very inadequate but thankfully for all of our listeners if you go to the astrays website astrays.net i believe Mm-hmm. Uh, they did make an official English website for Versus Astray, which is really odd since it hasn't been released in English. <laughs> so if you do want to read about those ugly mobile suits and you do want to read about all these weird uh, cloned characters that pilot them Jesus. and whatever the hell the story is, well, you can go do that. <laughs> Indulge yourself. <laughs> Indulge oh, yourself. Judging the book by its cover, um, in Frame Astray, is it, does Guy play any role in that? Because I, I, I see him here, but he just, this might just be, you know. I can't. I'm sure he does, but yeah. uh, I read it. Strays didn't really catch my attention. So honestly, if my life depended on it, I could not tell you oh. like one new character who was in that that story. Well, damn, what the story's about. So yeah, damn, the baddest man in hunting glasses. <laughs> so, all right. So I guess to wrap up this segment, um, any thoughts on Astray as a whole? Uh, for the most part, good. I, I know that towards the end we were a little bit more critical of some <laughs> of them, and you know, it, I, I think in in our you know what I said earlier was the fact of just sometimes getting a stray fatigue, and it just seemed like they were going to the well one too many times, and yeah. um, 
but I think overall the the first couple I would definitely um, I would definitely recommend the uh, the first uh, Stray uh, Stray R uh, Destiny Stray and um, you know X Stray and Delta Stray they're, they're short so I mean you you make the judge on that just because we didn't like it doesn't mean you won't like it so I don't think they were they would qualify for uh, manga trash or, or or manga burning that oh. might be that might be the sister uh, that might be the sister segment of uh, anime, anime toilet. toilet yeah it's manga burning. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, um, you know, but I, I think for the most part, you'll be, uh, especially if you like the seed universe, you'll, you'll be, uh, you'll enjoy it. Manga so. barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> but. So. Solbro, any comments on Astray as a whole? Um, overall, the, the earlier, the earlier installments are very fun. Um, I, I definitely recommend, uh, what I've read, which is a, a stray and a stray R. Um, I've got a, a great interest in a stray B, but I've given up on that. And I'd like to read Destiny Astray, even though it um, it falls short in the end. I'd like to check that out. But yeah, um, if anything, I applaud the, the reason why they made it. And um, if anything, I'd, I'd like to see continuing adventures of uh, Lo and Guy in their respective uh, storylines. And um, maybe one day we will. Maybe we won't. All right. Well, uh, I would say, you know, it's pretty obvious based on my comments that I do enjoy parts of Astray a lot and some not so much. And the one thing that just really bothers me is this whole, like, splitting the story. Yeah. And I just think that was pretty poorly handled in some situations, especially in regards to the end of Destiny Astray. And I think that Sunrise learned their lesson when it came along to Double O. Mm-hmm. Because even though Double O has six different side stories at least you know they all tell pieces of the larger double o puzzle but they're not pieces of each other's puzzles yeah right. you know i can read double o f which is being published here in america by bandai and it tells its own complete story that is complemented by some stuff in other side stories but you're not going to have huge chunks of what you're reading missing from there because they want you to buy it in something else so hopefully um you know next time there'll be a further refinement of that because given how things have been going now with seed and destiny and double o i think it's a guaranteed certainty that whatever the next gundam tv show is it'll have its own side story spin-offs as well that just seems to be uh you know the requirement now in terms of the the merchandising machine for whatever the new show is so i guess we'll just have to sit tight and see for whatever that new universe is and whatever side stories they start spitting out at us so with that that wraps up our uh, look at the various installments of gundam seed astray we'll be right back you're listening to gundam at mahq Open. God damn it! Open! Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Magnus! I want the Matrix! Never! This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN8. For 10% off any order not already discounted. Gun not for $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. Dot com domain names are as low as $749 if you use the code GUN10. 
And last but not least, code 20H1 for 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal... That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a damn about your personal life. Start talking. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. Today, we're flushing the old anime toilet. And this Isn't part- it the new anime toilet and it's a new segment? <laughs> yeah. It's gotten old. It's an old toilet. It's an old toilet because we're, we're not bringing From like Grand Central Station in New York. <laughs> Aged. It's seen. It's seen better decades. There you go, man. It aged very quickly, having to go through the double pat feature of MD Geist and MD Geist Two colon Death Force. It hasn't. It hasn't seen poop like that in ages. <laughs> oh, and it's gonna see some poop today. Oh man! But um, passing through these waters today is <laughs> <laughs> through these murky brown waters <laughs> is a um is an anime classic. Um, I, I am I'm quite particular to this because uh, I am a longtime Robotech fan from the tender age of eight, and in this anime segment of Anime Toilet, we'll be speaking about the latest follow-up to the Robotech adaptation um, called uh, Robotech. The latest tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> It is called Robotech The Shadow Chronicles. Just to give a brief rundown, because, I mean, a, a lot of people have seen it already, but uh, to give a brief rundown, The Shadow Chronicles covers the uh, the last leg of the final Robotech series, which is uh, Robotech The New Generation, which was an adaptation of uh, Mospita. And in it, uh, basically, the beginning part of it is actually a, almost a, a retelling from a different perspective of the last leg of that war, introducing new characters and some old. Um, you actually get to see some reanimated scenes featuring... Uh, Scott Bernard, the, the titular character of uh, Robotech, the uh, new generation, um, in, in the scenes at the reflex point conflict that closes out that series. But but basically, it, the the um, reinforcements of uh, Admiral Rick Hunter's fleet come back to the Earth Spear to uh, to help to take back Earth. Hey, hey Solbro, mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt. Is there any particular reason why you put so much emphasis on the tit of titular? <laughs> Because I don't, I don't remember um, uh, Scott having like bitch tits or anything, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, I know, I, I know that Ariel did, but not, 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 not bitch tits. But um, I'm just trying to titillate the audience. <laughs> but no, all right, no. <laughs> I, I didn't know that this this would become uh, sexy. Damn. <laughs> hey guys, what are you wearing? <laughs> oh, Dennis. <laughs> Stay out of this, Dennis. You're crossing universes, dude. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. What is this Robotech culture? 
Hey, we've got complaints about you on Mecha Talk. Oh no! <laughs> you need to up your funny, sir. Oh snap! So you, uh, forum I, people don't know shit about culture. Oh, I hear, I hear, I hear. Order you to uh, to to down two uh, two half liters of um, of wild turkey stat. <laughs> I piss more than two half liters of that for breakfast. <laughs> awesome. But Excellent. let's get back to the shitty chronicles. All right. Um, in uh in in this uh basically you get to see the first thirty minutes of it is basically almost a retelling Boy. of the end of Mospita. a bad retelling oh <laughs> boy <laughs> and um you get to see the 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 invid's departure from earth and you get introduced to characters like uh my uh, my boy oh, i guess a soul bros man's um new candidate marcus rush who's uh voiced by yuri lowenthal um best known for uh playing uh, Sasuke and um, Naruto, for those who watch. I would prefer to think uh, best known for playing the prince <laughs> yeah. rather than playing, you know, just some little emo bitch with a brother revenge complex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait a minute, though. He, I think, it, wasn't he the voice of uh, Suzaku also? Yes, he was. Well, yeah, he was. Now you had to go and mention that, too. A much yeah. better character. <laughs> <laughs> not by much. Uh, not, oh, well, anyway. Um, yeah, he's um, he's the um, voice of Marcus Rush, who um, is the brother of Marlene, uh, Scott's original fiance before she um, died at the beginning of uh, the Invid War on Earth. Basically, Scott gets reunited with the with the main fleet after that conflict, and they realize they have a new enemy in the form of an old uh, ally that was introduced in Robotech the Sentinels called the Hayden Knights, and they their grand scheme of wiping out any form of protoculture in the um, in the universe has finally come to fruition now that the invid have left planet earth and the the robotic defense force finds themselves at odds with the hayden knights as they take action against them in order to not before they stupidly took all their technology to oh, try yeah. to defeat the invid <laughs> <laughs> and then wonder gee why when we're fighting these guys all our stuff is malfunctioning <gasps> but i'm Jeez. i'm I, that's just basically the gist of it um i'm gonna go ahead and pass the mic over to neo so he can in in he can excite us with some of his um his positive thoughts about Robotech, the Shadow Chronicles. Go for it, sir. Mm. Um, like the Diarrhea Chronicles, right? <laughs> <laughs> Robotech, the Shadow Chronicles. Uh, everyone knows that uh, I had stated earlier in a couple, I don't know how many shows back, but I tried to watch this one day on uh, Netflix streaming, mm-hmm. and after 15 minutes, I was like, what the hell is this, and turned it off. Um, my background, uh, when it comes to Robotech, I, I've always been a big fan of the Macross saga, which is, you know, probably the more popular area. Uh, you know, the Sentinels and Next Generation, I really didn't watch that mm-hmm. much. Uh, I, I'd seen them, but, you know, at that point, I wasn't really too big into it. Um, you know, and watching this, uh, you know, un- understanding, you know, but, but from what I read, it's supposed to be a continuation of all this, but couple of problems that i have with this whole thing is um a couple uh, of problems yeah i'm just gonna spotlight the big ones because i don't want to be here all day doing this um first is the animations just Uh really bad especially for a 70 minute movie um the computer generation the computer uh, the cgi graphics are just terrible it looks like it's 19 you know, 1997 instead of 2007 when they oh. released this, or 2006 or whatever. You're saying the CG looks worse in this than it did in G Savior? It looks pretty yes. bad, yeah. Damn. Yes. Yeah. It's I actually cheaper. Do. It's way, it looks like it's from like mid 90s. I would the say Beast Force has better CG than this thing. The oh, problem man. with G Savior uh, CGI isn't necessarily the. The, the graphics itself, it's just that everything looked like it was a step slow. Yeah. Yeah, that, it, just, it looked like it was 
molasses. Yeah, I mean, Ooh, the, and all the, those mobile suits were moving through. The detail was was pretty good time and all that, but yeah, this is just it's bad. And then the marrying of that with the bad cell animation, and like I said, you know, just the lack of caring of really putting any detail in it. I mean, it's only seventy minutes long. And it's not like there was probably some waiting list on this, like, you know, people just had to be out in three months or something like that. I mean, who, who was it? Who really cares at that point? Um, secondly, the story is just a bunch of stuff that just really goes nowhere. I mean, I've watched Mosapeta and all that, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, okay, this is the retelling part. But then when we get into the final story, it's just a bunch of, it's just really a lot of old uh, anime cliches from the 80s and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll be honest, uh, halfway through it, I'm like, why isn't Scott the main character? Because this <laughs> other guy is just like, you know, he's just he's just there. I mean, yeah. it's he really doesn't do much. Um, you know, he, his friend is annoying with the, the the bad sacrifice that he does. Oh, Alex Romero. Yeah, the the uh, the wasted <laughs> sacrifice. Because usually when a guy sacrifices himself in one right. of these shows, it's like a pivotal part where they like save somebody. Or whatever, you know. Uh, look at Rio Jose. He saved the wipe. He saved the Gundam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, long list of this. This guy just died, and it didn't do anything. It didn't change the the, the way of the battle or anything. It was just wasted. Uh, the the fight scenes are just horrible. I mean, even I, I've never seen the you know everything just vaporizes in this one. Like something will blow up, and immediately as once the smoke clears, there's nothing there. Yeah, and it it's just. It's just really. I'm sitting here and I'm like, to my to myself, I'm like, who is this? Who is this going towards? I mean, it's like, okay, maybe the Robotech people, but it's been a while since anything's really been done. And then if you're going to be doing something like this too, aren't you going to? A lot of times when you do movies like this, don't you want to have it where you can bring in new viewers mm-hmm. and maybe have them go back to see something or whatever? I didn't see any of that in there either. Um, it's just, and then like what I found out too with the whole thing is. With this, um, I think Chris has mentioned it before. This comic book, yeah. this prequel comic book. It's like you know, a prequel comic book for something like this should be like a supplement to the story, not not required to, reading. You know, give a good basis of this story. So it's, it's, it's just, the same. It's the same mistake. Um, there was a movie that came out a few years ago called Southland Tales. Mm-hmm. I, the movie made no sense unless you read the comic book that preceded it. Yeah. And I hate that. It's just a stupid. It's a stupid thing to do. It should be supplementary. It should add to the richness of the universe. Not be required reading before you go see it. Well, movie. it's just a cheap. It's just a cheap way to to up comic sales. Yeah. Really. I mean, but I'm just sitting here. I mean, n- none of the mecha designs really made me, you know, go gaga over them. The music was really boring yeah. and bland. And it was like a bad interpretation of the original Robotech theme. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Rick Hunter. God, what the hell happened to him? <laughs> and some scarred up old dude. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's just you know his inclusion in there. It just really didn't do anything for the story. It's like, oh, we got to go save Admiral Hunter. You never f- really find out what really happens to them in the end. Um, you know, they do end up you know finding them, but it's just. I don't know. It, it's just a, it's just a mess for you know for something that was just done for a very small amount of time. It, it, there was just a lot of there was no like no structure to anything, and you think uh, and, and a lot of it was just all recycled uh, themes and uh, old uh, anime and you know early '80s cartoons yeah. uh, cliches, and it was just really stupid. I hope I never have to see it again. <laughs> Chris, your thoughts on? 
the diarrhea chronicles or the shitty chronicles or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know where I where I could begin after you put it um, so eloquently. Sorry, I didn't mean to steal all your thunder on that one, but well, you know, nobody's perfect, <laughs> but you're less perfect than me, so that's okay. Okay, thank you. So anyway, um, one thing I would say that uh, immediately sticks is that for a 90 or so minute movie, not much really gets accomplished because the first half hour is basically a bad repeat of the last episode of Robotech. (laughs) (laughs) Leaving you basically about an hour of story that goes nowhere. So the movie probably would have been better served being a half hour longer or if the first half hour hadn't been replay of uh, the last episode of Robotech. Another thing that bothered me, where did everyone from New Generation go? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't see you don't see Rand or Rook, Rook. or um, Lancer or Lunk or Annie, or Annie, any of them. It's like they don't exist. Yeah. You just see Scott and Ariel. Uh, number two, uh, suddenly, when did Ariel develop all of these like magical powers that are very convenient to the plot? <laughs> oh, I know. Talk about plot device. Holy God. Dude, she was like a personal, like, Montgomery Scott. Like, I'll, I'll transport you here. I'll transport you there. <laughs> she, was, she was borderline Q. <laughs> Pretty much. Man. It's like, I don't recall her doing that in Robotech. No. I mean, I, I do recall her transporting. She um, was doing some of that stuff. Yeah. But it's like she had all these wacky new things that she was doing. Yeah. It's like way beyond what she was doing in Robotech. And, uh, yeah, it's dead, it did bother me that the rest of the cast was not there because even if it was a brief one minute appearance they could have shown those people yeah um number two the very obvious uh serious continuity of when the robotech fleet comes back you know they have all of this shadow junk now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hey everybody turn on your shadow devices <laughs> like what, what, the, what the fuck is a shadow device you didn't have this in robotech you know, it's a very, very obvious retcon mm-hmm. yeah. that comes out of nowhere. The the new character, Marcus, has no personality at all. He's just there. He's just generic, dumb, young pilot. Feeling that he need, he's got something bigger to do, but he's always getting held back. Yeah, he's getting held back, and, uh, you know, uh, he's got, like, the, the cocky hotshot friend, and, you know, he just blindly hates the invid, and he's stupid. Yeah. And, you know, has, has the hots for... Uh, you know, a sterling daughter, but just, you know, stumbles and bumbles and doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Nothing nothing shows a greater example of that than the conversation in the elevator. Exactly. He has just no presence as a character at all, and the whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself, why couldn't Scott have just been the main character of this movie? That's what I felt, too, yeah. <laughs> he's so much more interesting than this chump. Yeah. Far and, more compelling. And, I, and, and, he's got, and he's got so much more game, too. And we know where he's been. Exactly. And it really, and that, that part going back, because Marcus, you know, he kind of, halfway through this thing, you, you don't really see him, and then they go back to him at the end, because it's like, oh, this is the this is the supposed main character, and it just slowed everything down. It's like, why, why, why do we care? It's like, I'm starting to get, you know, I'm starting to feel something here with you focusing more on Scott. Definitely the, uh, the whole problem with the comic my view is the same that you know a comic that ties into a story should be a complement yeah. to the story it should not be necessary to understand the story because you can watch robotech you could even watch that abortion of the sentinels <laughs> and then you go to watch this thing and you have no idea what the hell is going on yep. and i've seen robotech enough times to know what its story is and i went into shadow chronicles and i was like what what is all this crap 
Who the hell are these Haydenites? What's this shadow junk? What is all this nonsense? Why isn't any of this just explained and it all just comes out of the blue? Yeah. Um, the story, you know, obviously shows the bad hallmarks of being an American production. All of the really bad generic American sci-fi writing. Yeah. Um, you know, when you have all these things like these scenes where like the Haydenites, they're all like crowding around that little screeners and they're like, yes, everything is proceeding exactly as how it has been predicted by the awareness. <laughs> like, Really? That is that the best kind of dialogue that you can do? Um, the returning characters from Robotech aren't really that interesting, aside from Scott. Rick Hunter's just some grizzled old man who, like, what the hell happened to this guy? Yeah. <laughs> and you only—it's like he's the only guy on the SDF three. You don't even see like Lisa hanging around there in the background. It's like, for Christ's sakes, what what did she do to not deserve to have any screen time? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Freaking. It's like, is she just in the kitchen? You know. Cooking a pie or something? I don't know. Or making a pineapple <laughs> salad? Yeah, it's not like her voice actor actress wasn't there. She, exactly. She, she kept had to play Marlene, so it's like, what? Exactly. Why couldn't they just give this poor woman a line? It's like she was the captain of the goddamn ship. <laughs> she should be the one they're speaking to, not Rick. <laughs> she should at least be there. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, oh, no. What else? Oh yeah, here's just a general observation. How come in Robotech, if uh, if you're a black person, it means that somehow you're related to Claudia? No, no doubt. <laughs> Good old Vince Grant. Ooh, Vince. <clears throat> you know, you, you took you know uh, this character uh, Bowie Emerson in uh, in Southern Cross mm-hmm. and made him by uh, by Robotechization. Uh, Claudia's what, like nephew or cousin or some crap? Exactly. Like that, yeah. Now you just got like some other random black dude, and because it's Robotech, I guess since he's black, he's gotta be he's gotta be a Grant. <laughs> That's the last name of every black man <laughs> in the Robotech universe, except for seriously, um, it's like there's it's like there's no black men in the Robotech universe who aren't named Grant. There, uh-huh. there, there was one. There was uh some 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 leader of some squadron. I forget his name. He's probably Captain Black. <laughs> hey, <laughs> maybe uh. Maybe he married some woman and changed his last name to hers. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Who freaking knows? Uh, what else do I not like about this? Mm-hmm. Um, as Neil mentioned, uh, the animation, the the cell animation ain't that great. Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's serviceable, but not, not anything that'll knock your socks off, especially for the year it was produced. Right. Um, especially for a movie, too. That's... My yeah. thing, like, it would have been okay if this was, like, the first episode of the series. Mm-hmm. Like, if they were doing, like, a 25-episode series. Right. Okay, I can kind of forgive it a little bit, but, like you said, it's just a movie. So, it's just like, mm. The uh, The CG is, is very, very bad. Yeah, it really is. It's embarrassing that that's the CG that they could produce in, what, 2007? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for Christ's sakes, you, the worst CG in, in Gundam Seed including those wonderful, like, fire and water effects. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Looks 20 times better than what you see in Shadow Chronicles. Oh, yeah. I, I got another one for you. Uh, Macross Zero. Macross Zero. And I CG, you know, dog fights and, and CG throughout. It's all its, all its set pieces. You know, yep. and, and that looked phenomenal. And those are OVAs. And this is an overglower. This is an OVA that movie. That was done a few years before. Um, around the same time. Around yeah. The, yeah. So it's like, man, that, no excuses. <laughs> um... What else uh, did I not like? I th- the whole feeling that I get um, overall permeating from this is that uh, I mean, and this project was in 
you know, production for a very long time, and there were plenty of points where along the way where it seemed like it wouldn't happen. And that feeling kind of gets through in the production. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. You it know, does look like something that shouldn't have been made, right? It just sort of feels like something that it's like this is. We just slapped this together, and you know, we just got this out there because we had to get something out there. Yeah, it just has that feeling from beginning to end and um i really feel that by the end of the story what little of it there actually is nothing is accomplished because obviously they're trying to hook you for a sequel which apparently is now development hell tied into the development hell of the live action movie nice so there is no shadow chronicle sequel on the horizon anytime soon Mm -hmm. and if you're i can only imagine if you're a big fan of robotech who's not consumed by nostalgia you have to be watching this and saying, what the heck is this? This really shits on what I enjoyed as a, ch- as a child and doesn't do anything meaningful and doesn't add anything new to the story that's of any interest. Yeah, Seems unnecessary. The only plus that I can see is that they got back a lot of uh, the old Robotech voice actors, Yeah. in some cases doing new roles, mm-hmm. like uh, Dan Warren, the uh, voice actor for Roy, right. who now is uh, who, uh, Reinhard. Mm-hmm. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. General Reinhardt was in um, the Robotech. Uh, sorry, the the third series of. Um, was he in the third series of uh, of Robotech, uh, uh, the New Generation? Or he might have been. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's hard to keep track of. Like for me now, Robotech names of people. So yeah. he, I think he might have been. But still, even if he wasn't, it's yeah. good to see that because I always liked his voice. Yeah, yeah. Great voice actor. and it's good to see him back in another role. Uh, you have the same voice actor playing Scott after all these years. Hell yeah. Gregory Rick Snegger. Mm-hmm. As grizzled as he is and unrecognizable, <laughs> is still Tony Oliver. Hell yeah. So that's some nice continuity mm-hmm. of sorts, but um, you know, I just watched this and I feel that it's something that just doesn't really fit Robotech. Damn. You know, its style and its execution and its tone, it just is something very badly slapped. It, you know, it kind of feels sort of like... But worse, yeah. the G savior of Robotech. Oh shit! Yeah. You know, it's got it's got some of the elements, but they don't mix together very well. Yeah, they try to do too much and try to keep it there within the mythos, but try to do it so far out that they could take some quote unquote artistic liberty, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't work. Yeah. So I'm sure I'll have more comments that pop up before the end of the segment, but for now I'll, I'll hand it over to uh, Solbro so he can uh, tell us his thoughts. Man. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you. Um, for me, I it, it's it's a mixed bag, man. Uh, it, as bad as this is, and I'll be first to admit that this OVA was it, it was ill conceived. Really, it, it is. Um, I, I've been like I've many, mentioned many times on the show. I've been a Robotech fan for a long time, um, and I, I love all three series. Probably because the fact that I didn't even get to see the uh, the latter two series in their in their in their whole run until years later after I got exposed to Robotech as a child, so I've got a fondness for both Robotech Masters and uh, the new generation also. Um, watching this, man, I, I, I went into this knowing a lot about the Robotech universe because I've read all the novels, I've played the role-playing game, I've watched the episodes extensively, you know, I used to, as a kid, used to write fan fiction, so knowing a lot about the Robotech mythos is, was a big deal to me at one time when I was, you know, younger. So watching this, everything I've acquired from Robotech over the years, most of it got thrown out the window and, and that's not to say that the novels are canon because they're not but um when you read the robotech 
Sentinels, and and it's pretty much the 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 primary version that you can find of of Robotech the Sentinels, which was a follow up to Robotech that took place after Macross, but somewhere in between, uh, a little bit in between um, the Robotech Masters, and and it it runs kind of in another part of space as Robotech Masters and um, the new generation is going on. So there's a lot of things that are going on that contribute to the universe that's in um, the Robotech the Shadow Chronicles, like the Shadow technology gets introduced in uh, in the Robotech uh, the Sentinels novel series and Janice M one of the characters that shows up in the Shadow Chronicles is initially introduced I mean the, in the, the sex roid the sex roid exactly <laughs> she's a major player in Robotech the the Sentinels she gets introduced as a uh, as 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 a as I guess a uh, an android that um I forget his name um Emil Lang one of the scientists that helped to uh who was on board the STF1 in um the Macross saga he goes on the Robotech expedition. He helps to create it with the Haydenites, and you know she becomes a major player in the Sentinels. You know, helping to end the conflict. Um, you know, everything that you learn from these novels is thrown practically out the window because they're trying to reintroduce Robotech to a new audience in this movie, and a lot of it just comes half cocked. And I'm sitting here watching it, and I feel alienated. I feel completely alienated as a Robotech fan when watching this because none of the stuff I read or absorbed mattered. You know, they, yeah, they didn't you just say the novels weren't canon? So why they, they, would... they weren't canon. You're and you're right. Yeah. But I, since Robotech the Sentinels primarily exists as books, a novel, but... and there was a com- there was a graphic there was a graphic novel series that was based upon the novel, so it's pretty much a direct translation of those books. I thought that those would be canon since there was no animated series left, and since they were making a sequel to the animated series that also took elements from the Sentinels, I expected some of that stuff to transition through, and it doesn't. Um, other than some major things like Max and Miria having a kid, and she becomes part of the um the Robotech Defense Force that comes back to Earth to help liberate it. You know, Maya Sterling who's also voiced by Edie Merman, who did the voice of uh, Miria in the original series. Um, you know, she's in there and some other elements. For the most part, I felt like things didn't gel. Um, uh, what else? As you guys said, the animation's terrible. Um, save for a couple money shots, like when the Invid leave planet Earth, or when Scott and uh, Marcus get into it, when um, when Ariel's there and she's discovered to be an Invid. And then the other scene I'm thinking of is um, when... Vince and Scott face down the Hayden Knights in the in the corridor trying to save Janice. Those are like the three core scenes that had a bit of animation to them. Speaking of money shots, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the only shots I really liked were any shots that uh, focused on Maya's breasts. Nice, nice. Which are very nice and large. Or Janice's ass. Oh, she's a sexeroid. Oh, in, indeed. But you know, she she carries it well. Right? She oh, little... and the uh, the the black, um, you know, the black um, most speeders need to. So yeah. Oh, yeah. those are the only things that. That's the only thing I like aside from from the tits and the ass. <laughs> Other than the obvious curves. Um, not much. There was not much to look at in this series. Uh, what else? I wouldn't say series, but movie. Um, and then we get to the CG animation, and I, it's hard for me not to compare this to the latest incarnation of uh, a Macross series, which is uh, Macross Frontier, which was made shortly after this, and its CG is head and shoulders above this. And yet, this is an OVA, which is supposed to have a movie budget or you know at least a higher budget. So you expect better CG coming from this, and you, and you have Tatsunoko Productions, who's helping with with the with the production of this movie so you would hope that you know their supervision of what dr movies doing the, the animation studio that put this together in korea you know they would have some say on on animation quality and how this looks and whatnot but it just didn't seem like they cared it didn't seem like they cared about how it looked it's like let's just get this done let's get this out so that we can make money off the robotech fans who've been dying for some new robotech for you know after 20 years and um you know it's just it was just it's just a bad play overall and then neil brought up to me a while ago when he was watching it that he hated the voice acting in it 
you know, you remember you were telling me that it just seemed like it fell flat. and Yeah, it just it, seemed like they were just, I mean, it's cool that they have, like, you mm-hmm. know, the guy that's Rick Hunter and stuff, but it just seemed like they, like, recorded these people over Skype or over the phone or something. <laughs> you know? they, they literally phoned it, it in. Yeah, huh? it was, it, I mean, there was, like, no emotion, especially in, like, some of the, you know, the more exciting, you know, when they would have a battle or something. Like, yeah. The the thing that stands out for me the most is when Marcus is screaming for Alex after he gets killed. Mm-hmm. It's just like, are you? I was like laughing. I'm like just laughing. I'm like, I can't believe this. This is terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got the likes of all these Robotech, all these people who got their start in the anime industry well over 20 years ago um, with Robotech coming back to reprise their roles in this. So there are no slouches when it comes to doing voices in animated productions. Yeah, I mean, you got the likes of Richard Epcar who helped to direct this with Susan Blue. For those who don't know, Susan Blue is a legend. Legend in the animated and animation. Uh, oh, sorry, the, yeah, but the VA the, industry. That that might be the case. Well, no, no. Uh, the me, the me, thing me, about it is, uh-huh. is with it doesn't matter how much talent that you have, but if you have well, no direction, yeah. and no vision, uh, that's that's the point I'm getting yeah. to. Um, I, mean, I mean, you have two people who have so. been working in this industry for years, and they've voiced some of the most memorable characters in in in, in animation history. If for those who've seen Transformers the movie, Susan Blue was RC. She um, directed many cartoons. Her, if you look her up on IMDb, her voice directing credits are almost as long as her role credits, uh, that of the roles she's played. And yet they could not bring this script to life. They couldn't do it. I mean, you got all these legends in here, like Chris had mentioned, Tony Oliver and Dan Warren and and Iona Morris, who's the voice of um, Claudia in the original show, and in this, she's the voice of uh, Jean Grant, another role she replied reprised from the Sentinel. No one could bring this script to life, and that's just got to go to show you that there was just not a lot of heart in this at all. I, I'm almost watching this with with um, I wouldn't say tears in my eyes, but with the pain in my chest, because um, you know I, I knew it could be better than this. I've, I've read many other. Um, forms of Robotech in fiction that were far better. And and to watch this in execution is is quite a bit of a travesty. And and I and Chris he he implored to me not to look at this through um through nostalgia through glasses. nostalgia glasses. And you know, I have to step back from myself and there's part of me that still gravitates to this because there are familiar characters in this and, you know, familiar terms and, and story elements that I've known throughout the years. But you know, I step back out of myself and I look at this and I look at this as a sequel to Robotech that I've been waiting for for years and it doesn't hit one mark at all. Not one. And and, and, and and it hurts my heart to say this, but I I can't recommend this to any 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 of my listeners <laughs> as well as any diehard Robotech fans out there. And if you're a Robotech fan and you're listening to us talk about this and you're getting angry, don't get angry at us. <laughs> <laughs> don't oh, I can tell you who's going to be angry. Oh yeah, D- don't don't get angry that, at us. That that Robotech guy who uh, who likes to make like two or three hour long podcasts where he's bitching about people bitching oh, yeah. about Robotech. I, I, I wait for him to shit on us. I, I could I could give. I him. would love to hear that. <laughs> bring it on. Yeah, bring it bring it on. Bring I'm on. I'm cool with it because I'm I'm coming. I, I'm from- going to be all George W. Bush about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming from the same realm as he is, and he can't tell me something about not being a Robotech fan because I collected the, the <laughs> I collected all sorts of Robotech stuff. I have the role playing game books from Palladium Books. You can't talk to me. I own Robotech Art One and Two. Hey, like, hey, so bro, uh-huh. so can I sum up your Robotech experience What's that? your entire life? Mm-hmm. If I were to print on a T-shirt and say I bought all this Robotech shit throughout the decades, and all I got for it was this crappy DVD sequel. <laughs> 
All I got was Shadow Chronicles. <laughs> All I got was Shadow Chronicles. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you're right. You're right. When it comes down to it, um, I we all we got was a cash grab that was trying to put this out and and hopefully I guess to um to bring interest back to the franchise so they could you know expand it into other sequels and possibly a live action movie. But at this point, they they sealed the fate for Robotech to me. Um, that it it's it's it was a it came out in an era of time where it would it made a lot of um impact because we didn't have a lot of anime on television but now we have access to all sorts of anime we have the internet we have um the original macross series saga and um franchise that's been going on for years and has had stellar sequel after stellar sequel and if this is any kind of uh any kind of testament to how you know how how um how long the tooth robotech is the Shadow Chronicles, you know, shows that and, and it shows that I, I don't think the franchise can go on with any new iteration. I'll still treasure it. It'll still be part of my life. Um, and I'll still watch the, um, the, the adaptation of Robotech, but I honestly think that, um, outside of a novel series, I don't think Robotech should continue, especially, um, with this being, uh, its latest installation, uh, its latest, um, installment man i just i'm not feeling it ma'am and uh, any other thoughts you guys well, we have, have about do, this? we have to give our flushes oh of course i just i just want to know if uh, anything else came to mind that y'all wanted to throw out there before we uh, give our final review um uh, yeah please just let this thing die don't don't bother with the <laughs> sequel because there's nothing you can do to fix this I mean, yeah. if you want to torture yourself, there is like a, a teaser trailer that came out years ago, um, but nothing's been seen of it ever since. And I, I, well, I, think, much to look I, at. I think this is a great example that sometimes there's just that point in time that something worked well, and then other points in time, future points in time, mm-hmm. it doesn't work as well as it did anymore. I think Robotech's that. Robotech was good for its time yeah. and everything. But there just wasn't enough, and in, in even the, the 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 people that are doing this, Harmony Gold and all of them, yeah. they didn't even have enough passion or desire to make this good. They, like you said, they they were trying to do just a, a quick crash cash grab. Yeah, and you know it, it's one of these things where yeah, I think Robotech just should, you know, I think it would be better served for the franchise if you just let it be and not do the live action movie. Don't do this uh, sequel to Shadow Chronicles. Because it's it's now it's just starting to cheapen it, and um, it's making poor people like Soulbro and stuff really <laughs> lose their lose their side of it. I mean, <laughs> I have I have two things to say. Okay. One one good, one bad. Mm-hmm. Here's the bad thing that I that I that I would say as someone who is okay with Robotech, but also is a fan of Macross. Yeah. You know, we have Harmony Gold not being very helpful with uh, you know Macross releases and Macross productions and Macross anything in the US right and this is what they give us instead mm-hmm. you know if, if you really <laughs> want to push Robotech at least make something good well you know, if you're, you're gonna, not if you're not gonna promote Macross in America at least make some good Robotech yeah, that's what I'm saying. especially hearing these guys um, you know make jokes about stuff about Macross and all this and it's like okay that's cool but if you're gonna do it then when you bring when you bring out new Robotech, that stuff better be the greatest friggin' story ever told. Yeah, especially when you not. have this you have this long to work on it. <laughs> yeah. What I will say Damn. as a nice thing about Shadow Chronicles, it's not as bad as Robotech three thousand. Oh well and nothing as bad as that. <laughs> that was just <laughs> so bad. So bad. The fact that it's only three minutes mm-hmm. is it's just not enough to um you know, justify the the existence of such a horrible abomination. Jesus, man, man. So, so Chris, on that note, what would be your your flushes on uh, Shadow Chronicles? I guess so we can close. Solbro can close us out here. Go for it. 
You know, I, I'm I'm kind of torn. I would say at least three, mm-hmm. but possibly three and a half out of five flushes. Okay, Neo, how about you? Um, four flushes. Four. Yeah, it's pretty Man. bad. It is. Um, is it? It's 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 in that neighborhood, that ballpark. Yeah, because it's, it's like I stated earlier, it does nothing for the existing story. So if yeah. it's pissing off existing fans, mm-hmm. and then it's really not doing it. If you're going to piss off the existing fans, at least have at least piss them off by the fact of being able to bring new fans into it. Yeah. See, they failed on both points. So it's like, but but did they piss off the Robotech fans? Because I, I I've heard mostly positive reviews for this, and that's what confuses well, me. I've heard mixed reviews. That's your mixed? problem. Yeah. The thing when it comes to Robotech fans is, I'm imagining a lot of them are um, totally suckered in by the nostalgia factor. Yeah. Because um, let me tell you, have you ever have you ever descended into the the horror that is the official Robotech.com forums? No. No, I haven't. To 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 quote Star Wars, it's it's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> it's filled with a bunch of idiots, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say, right. who are just constantly shitting on Macross and talking about how Robotech is so much better and that Macross is stupid and Robotech made it better than it was. Um, how, talking how, about mm-hmm. you know how great Robotech is and it's so brilliant. Uh, talking about how Macross shows could be uh, Robotechinated. Dude, it's like there's a living in a great house and shitting on the architect. <laughs> I mean, Sorry. If, if you if you want to see a perfect example uh-huh. of just fanboy delusion and fan wankery mm-hmm. and hive mind thinking and just stupidity, right. head, head on over to Robotech.com and go to the forums. Wow, <sighs> wow, that's a- and and also what's worse is uh, the the staff there as I've seen. Mm-hmm. I've seen this thing about in other places. Uh, the moderating staff. It's a case of the inmates running the asylum. Oh, nice, okay. <laughs> awesome. So. Well, damn, man. I, I don't know what to say. Um, well, give it, give it, give us your flushes and close this out, so we don't have to talk about this anymore. So we can, right, so, we, so we can spray some Lysol. Neo yeah. is visibly in pain. For this um, podcast. I'm going to give it, uh, and y'all might disagree with me, but I'm going to give it two, two flushes. Out of five, I, I don't think it was horrid. I just think it could have been so much. Realize better. a flush in any in any rating is oh, yeah, still a flush. It, it, it's, it's, still, still it's still a flush, man. Yeah. It's, still <laughs> it's still Duke in the toilet <laughs> that needs to go down. And yeah, it, it took two to put this one down. So yeah, um, yeah, two flushes easily. So that gives us an average between the three of three of us of three flushes. So man, yeah, that was a that was a tough one for me. And um, uh, I I've got to say that yeah, we'll take the Shadow Chronicles. Uh, you could you could live the rest of your life and miss it. But um, we'll be back with more gun wait, wait wait oh, wait oh go wait, ahead before we go oh I yeah we, we need to tease what mm-hmm. the next uh anime toilet's gonna be about oh man yeah because we... especially since we're um mm-hmm. we're uh bitches of uh, sunrise so, yeah you know we'll, we, we we talked about how bad g savior was but we said it won't make anime toilet because mm-hmm. it's not bad enough because oh, yeah. we're bitches mm-hmm. but uh, I, I think the best way of teasing um anime toilet our next anime toilet oh yeah is we're handing over the um go ahead let's just say mm-hmm to Mino. Yeah, we're handing over. We're handing the nope. Charmin to him next. Yeah, I think that's all we should say, so everybody can I mean, definitely tease it on that. We can, we can, we can, we can't just Tamino. 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 The Tamino toilet. Oh, Tamino toilet. Man. Yep. Be, so, so nobody can say mm-hmm. we're being shrills or we're being fanboys. There'll be some tales being told. Next anime toilet. Jesus. <laughs> he, 
freaking ruins hey, hey, everything, hey, doesn't hey, he? You guys, mm-hmm. you guys are just trying to ride off my coattails. If there's anyone on this podcast who's Sunrise's bitch, according it's to you. the internet, yeah. it's, it it's is, this motherfucker right here. It is Chris Guante all day. Yep. So, but, yeah, Tamino. I, mm-hmm. Yep. Get out the turtle wax, Tamino. It's time to shine that dome on the next anime toilet. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's definitely what's on the menu next. And um, we'll be back with more Gundam at MAHQ in just a moment. Jules, you give that fucking Nimrod $1,500 and I'll shoot him on general principle. No, Yolanda, Yolanda, he ain't gonna do a goddamn motherfucking thing. Shut the fuck up! Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember... There is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, aaapodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Poppy wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. I know you. And I know when you got something brewing. I know it. What I got brewing? What I got brewing, right? You tell me. You done lost your dumb damn mind. Uh, welcome back, everybody. This is Neo, and so concludes episode 62 of Gundam at MHQ. In this episode, uh, we talked about some of the Astray mangas, and then we had our second installment of Anime Toilet Rituals, Robotech The Shadow Chronicles. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, go visit our websites, mhq.net, for all your mech and anime needs. Uh, go to uh, gundam.net for all of uh, 
the podcast stuff, uh, mm-hmm. dealing with emails, all the links of some of our friends and everything like that. And uh, if you have any pets, visit Petco and use those great savings you can get through Gundam. And uh, if you need to start uh, I Hate Double O Season 2.com, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure GoDaddy can get you a good deal on the uh, web hosting and the address name. So, well said. Uh, but uh, Chris, any any news, any MHQ stuff on before we uh, break out of here that you need to get to? MHQ is a website that you should visit. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Solbro, you. How, how's... Um, How's, oh, and I forgot, everybody. Remember, we're trying to get Bernie's Lament a, th- a million hits on YouTube. So everybody go to it. How's that coming? Um, I, I, I haven't looked, but it's YouTube.com slash Just find Bernie's Lament there. Because I I, I've, <laughs> I've, I've heard that if you get a certain amount of stuff, they actually give you money or something like that. I you, don't know, you, but that's you, what I've heard. I can make money off of something that's copyrighted anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> the, the hits, that's all that matters. And the ridicule, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, we're, we're at 39,546. Oh, oh, my God. Come it's, on, guys. Last time I checked, it was 32. So Come on, guys. That's pretty impressive. So, bro, any guest star appearances podcast-wise this week that we should be aware of? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, so concludes episode 62. We'll be back in a few weeks. Uh, you're listening to Gundam at MHQ. See you guys later. Please convey this to him, if you would. My military might exceeds yours by an overwhelming margin, so attempts at revenge would be a mere waste of efforts. Hmm. Now listen, you punk, there's no way you'd beat me. So step off, because you ain't even got one chance in a billion, you loser biatch. Your language skills are outstanding, Your Excellency. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in the MHQ production. believe you clapped about that. It's a man raping men in Houston. That's the most gangster shit. So far, like, like, like seven men have already come forward in the Houston area and reported this mother, which means he must have raped thousands. That's a tough phone call for us to make. It's not like when you get raped, ladies. There's no, uh, society don't give a f- about male rape. There's no hotline for us. <laughs> Man get raped, you just gotta get up and walk that shit off. Up, oh, got raped. Yeah. <laughs> Call me slipping. <laughs> you gotta take that shit to the grave. I couldn't even tell my wife some shit like that. Come on, all disheveled and shit. Hey, where have you been? It's three o'clock in the morning. Out another woman. Just go back to sleep, okay? Just...